welcome to the Good-ish People podcast. I'm Jackie Pruitt. And I'm Hannah Jones. This is a podcast where we have conversations that are sometimes hard. Ugh, I hate to see it. Sometimes funny. <laughs> you know, we like to be funny when we're funny. Sometimes awkward. I was just awkward like with just what I now. said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see, you're picking up what I'm putting down. All the while, you know, Hannah and I, we're just trying to be good people. Although, let's be real, we're always just good-ish. Emphasis on the ish. Join us as we laugh, cry, and snort our way through our lives' most pervasive and relatable conversations, which this week is dun, 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 imposter <sighs> syndrome, mm. which is the fuel to us navigating our adulthood, oftentimes, unfortunately. But as you know, we're out here navigating to the best of our ability, and it's just, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. We needed a break, so... Oh, we it's did. not brought to you like anything special like wine or anything. I mean, that's included, but that's not what I'm going to give a shout out to today. It's just weeks being weeks and needing time off and getting crazy in life man. being insanity. So thank you guys for being patient with us while we needed to take a couple weeks off, not because we were resting, but just because life be life. Life do be life. So we missed you guys and we're so happy to be back. And we thought what, you know, what better of a way? to come back than by being brutally honest about imposter syndrome. And when I think of imposter syndrome, I think about how much I want to say impasta, like pasta. I think about that every time. <laughs> do I do. I really do. Yeah. Impasta. I've never once thought about that in my life. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It like brings a little lightheartedness to imposter syndrome. And so what Hannah and I had originally planned to do was we were going to use this episode that's going to release on November 16th as we were going to do like an Enneagram and Myers-Briggs episode. We're pushing that back a week because both of us feel... Or more if we decide to do a Thanksgiving episode. Oh yeah, sorry, like two weeks. Yeah, we're pushing it back. It's coming eventually. No, no, um, no strings attached, no date attached. Okay, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> yeah, don't get your hopes up. But also for those of you I told, we were doing one of these and you're oh, so sorry, excited. <laughs> um, soon. Because <laughs> I really, I really want to want to get to that one because that one seems like it would be a fun one. But gosh, I I had an idea of toying with that in the new year for it to be like the way we structure our oh, yeah. New Year's resolutions. But we're still figuring out what a good framework for that will be because I'm sure all of you out there, if you're curious about personality types, have done your own research. So we want to put a fresh spin on it and make sure we do it in a way that's you know like adding to the content space and not just repeating. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I remember that idea that you had, and it was a great idea. So forgive me that I did not bring that one up. Yes. Oh, you're fine. It is an idea. I forgot about it until this very moment, to be honest with you. But it's an idea, but we, we have yet to decide exactly what we are doing. I dig it. Yeah, I think it'll be good. So shall we get into our goods and issues before we get into what it looks like to be an imposter? <laughs> or to not to not be an imposter. Imposter, <laughs> not, imposter. not be a pasta. Yeah. That is the question. Yes, we shall. Jackie, are you ready with your oh. goods or your ishes? Um, yes. I'll start with my ishes. Yes. Um, the last few weeks have sucked. I'm just gonna be really honest. They have really been hard. Um yeah, just just hard times. Uh had some personal stuff happen. Mm, yeah, not fun. But in addition to all of that and just life coming at you, 
on top of all that, which, you know, I'm okay now, I have a great support system and people are awesome and I have some really special friends and family. Um, but straight up, um, then all of a sudden it was like something was wrong with one of our pipes. And so like our pipe was leaking into our garage, like laundry room. And then, um, ah, what else? Oh yeah. The transmission blew out on my car. Jeez. Yeah. You have had a crazy two weeks. God, it's been, it's been a hard two weeks. Um, yeah. And I think I'm still feeling the effects of all that and just feeling really just tired and sluggish and bummed. And then that also comes with the time change. So it's like, well, it's dark super early and things are kind of depressing. But other than that, um, yeah, other than all that, other than all the shit that happened to me, um, no, it's it's good. Like I can't complain, right? So got the new pipe fixed. You know, I was very fortunate enough to be able to get a new car, which is wonderful. Just like stuff you're not expecting, right? You, you don't think you're gonna have to spend that kind of money. You're like, oh, it's great to not have a car payment. It's really nice to have your pipes working. Makes you appreciate the things that work. Um, so yeah. I would say that those are my issues, uh, but you know what? Coming out on the other side, uh, approaching the end of the year to the new year, which is going to be really great. So those are my issues all together. That's great. You want me to do my ish ah. and then we can do our goods? Let's knock the shit out first and then <laughs> let's get into the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? Oh, sure. That sounds good. I can be quick. Um, really just this, the time change with daylight savings really gets me with seasonal depression and just getting so sleepy and I'm not going to dig into that too much for the sake of your ears and your souls, but I just, you know, it makes me sleepy. That's where I'll, that's where I'll land. Yeah. I I feel you, dude. I really do. I really do. Um, I get sleepy, sleepy time and you know, uh, the sun goes down and I think, uh, it's time for me as well to go lie down. Yes. Go night, night. (laughs) <laughs> well, in the summer, it gets dark at like nine o'clock and then all of a sudden it's getting dark at 515. And that's a big shift for our psychology, for our brains. Yeah. And it takes a while to adjust. And for some reason, every year I forget how hard it is to adjust. And so this is the adjustment period. We're just rocking and rolling with it. I think we're, we're handling it pretty well. We're being really open and honest about it. We're putting it <laughs> out there. We're naming it. We're, we're putting a name to it. We're saying we hate this. We do. Good for us. We do. It's tough. It's tough out there. But I must say, I did not have the two weeks that Jackie had, so I really have nothing I can complain about. Uh, no, nah, not true. You don't have to directly compare it to mine. It's Life's hard, you know? And I'm just thankful that we have each, each other to navigate it through with, uh, you know, and laugh when we can laugh at, at funny things. And fair. You will be in Dumbuses and all that funny stuff that life brings, you know? That it does. <laughs> that in, in spades, honestly. All right. Uh, Too many cards. Too many. Too many. All spades. What a hand. (laughs) That's why I don't play poker. I don't need that energy. Dude. Okay. I also, fun fact about me, I do not know how to play poker and I am not ashamed. Used to be not ashamed. Yeah. You shouldn't be ashamed. I also, I played a lot as a kid with my family and I think I could pick back up on it now, but I couldn't tell you how to play it. Mm-hmm. I'd need a refresher. So I'm kind of right there with you. I've played a lot more blackjack, not even for like real gambling. I hope to do that one day, <laughs> but gambling makes me really anxious because it makes me think mm-hmm. I'm going to lose what I already have. And that makes me anxious. So I avoid it, but I've played it at like 
office events where you're playing with fake money and I love it. So blackjack's been the card game I've played as an adult and really nothing Mm. else. So maybe we should have a poker night and we can learn. Let's do it. Kind of like the office when they have that huge warehouse and we do like casino night. That's a really serious episode. There's some big things going down in that episode. I think it's a two-parter too. It was a 60-minute episode. I think, yeah, it was a two-parter. That's when uh, Jim kisses Pam, right? Yeah, that's funny. Tell what if, sorry, guys, I Uh-oh. <laughs> I think it came yeah. out like 15 years ago, so I don't feel that bad. But yeah. And if you don't know that Jim and Pam fall in love, how have you been living under a rock for the last however many years? I don't know how you did it. I did it with Grey's Anatomy for a bit, I will say. And then somebody told me a really big thing that I will not say on this podcast. I somehow had found out. Does it have out. to do with McDreamy? Yeah, so, yeah. It, yeah. And with McDreamy, Actually, right? I think you may have... Um, I don't really talk about Grey's Anatomy, so I'd be surprised if I did. I haven't watched it in like a long time. Okay, and I could have. It could have been me because maybe I was saying after that happens, I lost a lot of interest in the show because it got way too ridiculous. So maybe it was me, but it it happens like ten seasons in. So, but I made the mistake. This is not your fault at all, right? This is all on me because I had been anytime somebody would bring up Grey's, I would specifically go, "Here's the season I'm on." I hear something happens. I don't want to know how it happens. <laughs> so let me be ignorant for a bit. Oh. But then I didn't give you that opportunity. So I don't, I don't blame you Are you, you sure it was me then? Because I, I rarely talk about Grey's Anatomy. It could have been. I'll own it. But I don't. Honestly, now that you say OCC, it must not have been that profound. Because I literally can't remember. <laughs> I have Fair. no idea. Fair. Um, the show that I talk about more with that kind of a shock that really, really messed me up that I stopped watching was in... Um, Downton Abbey so that one is a similar thing and I that I talk about more because that was like uh, I'm not watching the show after that so well maybe it was in maybe it was in tandem we were talking about them both at the same time possible a crazy spoiler that I ended up doing very embarrassing actually this is a big Harry Potter spoiler I'm not really sure I should even say this one spoiler Uh, alert fast forward like a minute or 30 yeah. seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm about to do a huge Harry Potter spoiler. I was at camp. I have already told this story on this podcast. I can't remember. I was at camp, and um, one of my counselors was reading through the Harry Potter books, like, as they were coming out. And I had heard from somebody that Dumbledore had died, but I, like, literally said it in front of her. Spoiler. That is a juicy spoiler. Oh, I know. And I, like, said it, I guess, in our little group. I was eight. Well, okay. and she was reading them. You would think that maybe she knew. Yeah, well, she hadn't gotten to that part yet, and she was, man, she was angry at me, understandably. But uh, t- to take aggression out on an eight-year-old may have deserved it. Oh, um, my gosh, she was aggressive with you? Oh, for sure. Like, she essentially, <laughs> like, didn't talk to me for, like, two or three days. And then oh she yelled gosh, at me in front counselor? of- Oh, She yelled at me in front of all the campers. It was very embarrassing. Okay. They didn't have the okay. same kind of rules they she- do today. Look, this lady, whoever she is, I'm sure you're a lovely person. Humans are complicated, complex. Everybody deserves some some dignity, right? Or everybody has dignity. But let me backtrack from all that I just said for just a second. Sounds like you haven't learned any lessons from your favorite Harry Potter character, Dumbledore, because Albus Dumbledore was an excellent leader, like a caring, caring uh, faux father figure for Harry. And that lady did not treat you like that in the slightest. And that's a problem. She, she can't learn. be mad about knowing Dumbledore dies if she doesn't learn from the teachings of Albus Dumbledore. That was really her problem. I just didn't have the skill sets at the time to articulate that to her, nor had I read the books. 
So, yeah. She sounds like a Snape, Snape, Severus, Snape, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Hermione. Such a good little. Please check out. Harry Potter. Ooh. That was the best part. It really was. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Um, that was really good. That was great. Harry Potter Puppet Pals. Check them out. They're the best. Check them out. Okay, am I wrong in thinking we haven't done our, our goods yet? We have not. Mm-mm. Okay. I got sidetracked. With the yeah, we both got sidetracked, and, you know, that's how it goes. Uh, do you have your good ready? Mm. No, I do not. <laughs> I don't really either. This is pathetic. Oh, my God. Um, I know. I do. We're so I can lame. Say, I can say what, uh, what would be a good... had some fun time with friends over the weekend. We went to... The four of us, uh, Ned, Jackie, and Connor and I went to dinner on Friday. That was nice. And then hung out and watched football on Saturday with some more friends. And I got to see my family. I think that that's, yeah, those are all good things. I can't really remember the rest of my last two weeks, to be quite frank with you. Very much a blur. <laughs> so much. Very much a blur. Um, and when we... Uh, we're having technical difficulties during this episode, which you won't know anything about because we're so good at editing. Um, Ned just alerted me that the PS5 is like broken and not working. So that's something else in my life that's falling apart. Have you tried saging your home? Hmm. I'm sort of joking, sort of not. (laughs) I know. I feel like I should cleanse. There's some type of energy that needs to be refreshed, refreshed in some way, shape or form. Um, it was really trying to keep you from refreshing because it was trying to take your, your washer down. So and that, that leads to fresh clothes, fresh bedding. It doesn't oh, want know, fresh energy. Laundry, laundry is my favorite chore. I know it is. So to have that taken away sounds very first world problems because it is. And there's a lot of way worse things going on. So I can really shut up. Um, but that's what happens. Life happens. It does. happens. Happy to be alive. Happy to be, uh, be, be, uh, still kicking. So that'd be your good. Just that you're still kicking. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. That's my good. Um, I think my good is just really thankful for Ned. I came home from work today and had a little bit of a mental meltdown because you know, those things happen at times when you're like, what the am I doing with my life and with many things existential crisis I'm just gonna be really candid about it I think that's also been spurred on by many of the events that have taken place in my life the last yeah, of few weeks course and it I'm has. Just like, oh everything's coming to a head and I've got to just be like what's up I think what it is when things like that happen they're essentially disruptors in the flow of your life and of your everyday and when something disrupts, whether good or bad, it, it disrupts. So it allows you to call into question everything else that's going on. And in a much lighter way, I think that going on vacation does the same thing for me. I always have an existential crisis on the way back from vacation because my rhythm is disrupted and I have the time to step back and think. Yeah. yeah. I do. But when it's hard mm-hmm. things in the world and hard things in your life, it's even more, I think, motivating to say, if this is, you know, if I have to deal with this stuff, I at least want something mm-hmm. that I don't feel like I have to deal with in the rest of my life. Totally. I mean, you're right on the money. Yeah. I, I agree. I completely agree with you. It does happen for me, too, during vacations, when I come back from vacations. I it's feel the like same it thing. It's gotta. It has to. I mean, I don't know. You guys let us know. Does this happen to you? 
wonder employers don't want to give their people PTO. Yeah, really? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> They're like, don't go anywhere. Don't be thinking about nothing. I got you. <laughs> got you right here, And that's lady. the definition of healthy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. American but, corporate um... culture is so healthy. <laughs> You're funny. Oh my goodness. You are Everybody funny, had funny, it. funny. I will add one of my highs. I forgot. And then now I remembered this was in the last two weeks. Jackie and I got dinner at Chick-fil-A. I felt like we were in high school. It was great. And she I was felt like that too. a good, good friend to me. I've oh. been just not in a great mental place. And that's just, you know, normal in my life, unfortunately, um, coming in and out of that. But it's always hard to share with people because in the wrong hands, it can be treated in a way that's more harmful than helpful and not because anybody means to because so then if I feel bad about their response I carry the guilt of feeling bad about it because all they were trying to do is help and then that just also makes me feel worse so anyway all that to say I am very particular about who I try to talk to about those things these days because I've been burned and you know I've, I've put weight on people that I felt guilty about putting weight on blah 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 and Jackie handled it very well so thank you so much for being oh, so loving I love you so much I'm always here for you. I know you are. You're the best. You're the best. I feel the same way about you. Like completely mutual. You know, you really do have to be selective about those kind of things. You know, and I feel yeah. similarly to you in that I oftentimes in the past when I've chosen somebody to confide in about certain things, then it's like either their response or their input on the situation would be more detrimental than helpful to me yeah therefore I have some type of well why don't you understand this going on in the back of my head and then I'm like well they're just trying to help like you're saying and then there's like kind of this guilt but then also like some people I've just found to not be trustworthy with that information which you know it's like ah, it's not a, it's not an anchor thing against a person it's just like I don't trust you with that information yeah for sure like, and I think a lot of times it's people that aren't like you said they're not trying to be untrustworthy I think it happens a good bit when people don't have similar experiences that they can understand the weight of what you're sharing. And therefore, it feels like a more con conversational thing to talk about with others and maybe share with their other friends, not understanding how much weight what you confided in them carries. I think that's probably what the driver is most of the time. So I, I feel like that's part of my selection too is I'm like, do I feel like this person has like, allowed themselves to? feel this before what I'm feeling mm -hmm. to a degree like maybe not my exact experience but understanding mm -hmm. the weight of a similar experience and that makes me think you know that they might be a little more trustworthy not that you have to go through everything that's the same but I think there's some courage in allowing yourself to go there and mm -hmm. understand your feelings that you know some people might not be ready for yet which is okay but that usually means that they're I don't trust them to handle my yeah feeling completely valid. honestly it's not that i don't trust people is that i just don't want to talk about it because i'm i'm tired yeah. i'd spend 29 years of talking about this about depression on and off and i or not 29 mm -hmm. years probably since i was like 12 and i'm tired of it so it's like i feel like a broken record mm -hmm. and i just don't feel like talking about it so if, I, if you're my friend out there and i haven't talked to you about it i love you it's not because i don't trust you i just i don't know beating yeah. a dead horse at this point sometimes no 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 i i completely understand um yeah sometimes it's just like hey I don't want to talk about this anymore I've talked about it a lot you know me well enough to know that I've brought this with you to before and it's not you know it's not in a 
uh, I don't have anything like bad against you. Like it's not malicious that I'm doing this. Yeah. It's just because. Sometimes yeah. it's just because it's because. You know, because <laughs> that's because because of the wonderful <laughs> things she does. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I mean, honestly, yeah, I, I and sometimes <laughs> I just don't have the emotional capacity to be quite like to just just to be completely honest, like to be emotionally transparent with people because it takes a lot of energy to do that. And I used to be emotionally transparent with like everybody back in the day. And mm. it's something I like didn't mind doing, but now I'm just very stingy with it because I'm becoming grumpy. You should old. be. And I'm tired. It takes energy, you know? It does. And 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 I, I'm at this point too where it's just like I'm just in such a I have to be so careful about who I let into that space. Yes. Because there's all it's like, you know, the stakes are high. They really are. They are high. They are and, high. You know, it's, it's you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I you know, maybe if I shared more of my life with this person, we would be closer. And I'm like, you know, though, I have to really think about is that the best for me in this season of my life yeah. right now? It's not. I know yeah. it for a fact. Does my heart want to talk to this person? Yes. Would it be to my detriment? Absolutely, it would. That is so wise. It's hard to step back and have that evaluation. It's very hard. Of, of it's yourself very hard. and your resources and how much availability you have to even give somebody else. It takes some wisdom to step back and do that evaluation. It's not easy, man. It's like, okay, well, well you know, because in the moment I'm like, oh, I'd love to like tell you about all this like right away. I shouldn't because of last time because 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 of the shitty things you do. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, that's my new favorite song. That's my new favorite song. Oh my gosh, and this is why they invented therapists and friends you can trust, and whoever they are, I thank them. I was talking to my psychiatrist last week too, and it's it's always hard for me though to talk about it in great depth. And I was telling Jackie last week, like it almost feels embarrassing sometimes to talk about depression because I know how blessed I am and um, how many things I I have a lot of great things given to me, and I know that there's no logical reason that I should feel this way, but I also know that it's a chemical thing, and it's way deeper than that. Like it's been an issue my entire life, so it's not just like circumstantial. Um, but sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like that or like people will interpret it that way and make mm-hmm. will tell me I'm being ungrateful. And that's maybe because people have told me that before when I've shared with them in the past. Hence, our, <laughs> re make sure you're sharing with trustworthy people. That's the message Jackie and I are sharing with you right now in case you haven't picked up yeah. on it. Um, Selectivity is key. It is. It's, <laughs> it's essential. It really is. And people don't have to have, I know I was saying earlier, shared experience is, is helpful, but they don't have to have shared experience per se. I think they just have to be willing to hear you out and and allow you to share how important what you're going through is with them. And then they can trust that you're not fabricating or lying or or even maybe give you time to be dramatic because sometimes we need that. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you got to lay it out on the table and be like, this is it. And I might be being dramatic, but I don't care. And you don't care. You're my friend. And you're just going to listen to what I have to say. Because this is how I'm feeling in the moment. And some people cannot handle that. Yeah. And that's okay. True. But they that's cannot. Okay. Yeah. And all um, of us are growing, changing humans. So in some seasons, we can handle it. Some seasons, we can't. Like, you know, just how we be. Yeah, it is how we be. So don't be an impasta. And then and a friendship impasta. <laughs> yeah, don't be a like friendship impasta. <laughs> makes me want pasta. I love pasta so much. I do, I do. But I don't, I don't like the feeling of being an imposter. But I do love pasta. Yeah, it's 
such deep transitions battle that we have going on inside of us between being an imposter and having pasta um so i do as we're transitioning uh, (laughs) even though i did so so poorly wait i have a quick question before you do this okay do you think the more pasta you eat the more your body chemistry changes into becoming an imposter Ooh, that is a great question (laughs) i really did think the question you were going to ask me which doesn't really make sense why you would ask me this is if the more pasta you eat, is your body like more acclimated to pasta? What I mean by that is I've noticed that the more bread and pasta I've been eating recently, that's the only thing my body wants. Yep. Same. Eat. I think that's and all then, women want. Carb. Yeah. Yeah, man. So good. So good. Mm-mm-mm. I love me some pasta. I love me some bread. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, knock on wood, it usually, I don't even think this is wood. Okay. Well, maybe I just jinxed myself. It is. It's wood, but you it's think? not. Yeah. It's, it looks it's like metal. Why would? Oh, I think uh, the legs might be metal. The top might be what? Anyway, I can't tell. It's dark in here. Well, I'm knocking <laughs> on wood, um, because it hasn't been messing up my stomach as much as it usually does. Pasta, so I'm nice. leaning more toward pasta and bread, which is a fun thing to do because I love both of them very much. Um, and it's hard for me to choose an option that is not pasta or bread or some type of carb, which is so good. Yes, I agree. Connor and I eat it all the time, so. Honestly, I don't know what he would do if I was like, I won't eat pasta. He he would be like, I, I don't know why I married you because oh, it's so good. He used to have it a week because it's so easy to make at home and it's so cheap and it's delicious. It so, is delicious. Party meal. Party. And that's um, why we hear my body chemistry is very much turned into impasta. And I relate to the, and, and I have imposter syndrome deeply. So, all right, Jackie, you're trans. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I was going to, so I was going to say now that we've done the transition so beautifully, might I add, um, we have had this. So I had this in a notes section on my iPhone of things that we wanted to talk about. And I think this was months ago that me and you were just hanging out and then we were like, we should do something on imposter syndrome because we were talking about it. So this is kind of why it's come about. You know, we've circled circled back. And um, I think we both feel it's very re- relevant at this point in time. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's it's honestly always relevant for me. So, yes. Yeah, I feel that. And, okay, so I, I'm very excited about this. I don't typically do a ton of extensive research. Um, I feel like neither one of us necessarily do when we talk about um like topics that are sometimes very close to the heart because me and you have so much to say about those things that not that that we're not well researched you need to i'm so grateful you did some research yeah it's like something that i wanted to do a little bit more of a deep dive into because because obviously like when i think of imposter syndrome i'm just like oh it's a belief about myself that like i don't think that i can do something that i'm very well capable of doing um, which is literally the definition of imposter syndrome. It is a straight up real thing. Um, and the the definition, the official definition, is feeling anxious and not experiencing success internally, despite this is the important part. Despite being high performing in external objective ways. So I would argue that if you look at me and you objectively on paper, right, we both. We are, uh, you know, functioning adults who are successful people, who have wonderful friends, who have achieved a lot in our lives, um, which is really special. You know, um, 
but a lot of the times which is so like blows my mind I don't believe that about myself and I don't know if like you feel that way. I don't want to put words in your mouth I feel that way for a lot of reasons that I'll get into but that's just high level there and that's the definition of imposter syndrome yeah and Jackie just kindly pointed at me to give my response I loved that I was very engaging <laughs> like she's giving me a talk from the stage <laughs> and I love this this is like a, a glimpse into her passion of of talking in front of people which I still am so obsessed that you love that uh, <laughs> I okay that's actually a really good scenario for me to talk about so I've talked in front of like a thousand people before and I used to do at school we had to do I mean every school you have to do presentations right I always was anxious talking in front of people because I felt I'd be found out for not being intelligent not being on top of my game or even like eh, like emotionally laid rot about the way people judge my my looks and like a lot of things so I just felt like every um, aspect of myself is on display to pick apart and to prove mm-hmm. that what I think about myself, which is very little, is actually true, and that there's a chance if I put myself out there, that everybody and like right on in the light under a lamp, that everybody else will see that too, and any um, perceptions they may have stumbled into about me being successful or being smart or being whatever, will quickly and swiftly disappear because they're actually looking. And when you talk in front of people, people are looking at you. And like, that's just a scenario that would make me anxious. And it's, it's a good way to kind of describe a situation of how I feel. But I feel like that all the time. Like I get anxious every single day that at work, if somebody finds out what I do and don't do well, that I, I'm actually going to be found out to be like really bad at my job. I know that I'm not. I know that I work hard, but I mm-hmm. still feel that, that anxiety of being found out for being mm-hmm. as as pathetic as I think I am a lot of the time if that makes sense that totally makes sense it's like this narrative that we believe we believe it so firmly about ourselves it's the only way we can see ourselves therefore others will see me that way if I slip any bit if I'm like not doing the jazz hands which is so crazy absolutely crazy um when I look at you it's like I would never never think that about you right and I'm sure if you looked at me, you wouldn't think that about me, though we know each other really closely. So obviously, yeah. you know that I struggle with that. And I know that you struggle with that. But if I didn't know you that well, I would not ever think that that would be a thought that would cross your mind. Um, what is very, very interesting, though, as I started, uh, you know, looking into imposter syndrome, it's so, so interesting. They actually break it down into five parts. Go for it. Bring it on. Which is wild. And I'm not trying to, te- I'm not, I'm not trying to keep, keep this too on script, right, right? I want this to be a really organic conversation. Yeah, you go with the script. Scripts are good. They're helpful. Go scripts, with it. scripts are so good. Stop imposter syndroming yourself on an imposter <laughs> syndrome episode. Scripts are healthy. We will so work funny. within the framework to, to have natural dialogue. But it's good to have structure. You're right. It is good to have structure. Sometimes when I'm reading from a script, I can get very like robotic about it. And then I'm just like forgetting to tie in really key points. So I'm going to try to hold myself accountable for that. Well, you can like read the things that you need to read and then fill in with elaboration afterwards that you didn't write down. Okay. I feel like that'll like, you know, you like read a definition and then you break it down. You know what I mean? Yes. I I will do that. I will definitely do that. That's a great idea. Um, So what's very, very interesting about these five. um, And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to unlock my computer because I want to pull up this article. One of the things that's really interesting about this article is each of these five categories about imposter syndrome comes with a definition, 
and an affirmation to go along with it. Like if you fall into this category, here's how to help combat that. And I thought that was a really unique perspective. I do want to give a shout out to Dr. Valerie Young, who formulated these five. Um, Because a lot of the places I looked, her name was listed. And I was like, cool beans, lady. You rock. You're taking something about imposter syndrome and you're putting it into something that is very tangible for those of us who struggle with imposter syndrome. To use that is helpful. So it's broken down into five. And Hannah, you will find this very interesting. I would like to hear after the end of these definitions. Which one resonates with you the most? Because they're groupings, right? You can relate to all of them, or you can relate to just a specific one more so. Cool. ADHD is like this as well. They have like multiple subcategories. Yeah, I happen yeah, to relate yeah. to all of them, but yes. <laughs> it's so, yes, 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 yes. It's so interesting. So we have the five of imposter syndrome. The first one, the perfectionist. You set extremely high standards for yourself and you beat yourself up when you don't reach those standards. Shout out to myself. That's totally me. I have a problem with that. Um, you have the super woman and or man and or super individual. You feel you should be able to excel at every role that you take on in your life. And when you don't do that, is when you're like, oh, yeah, I see your face. You're like, oof, that one yeah. Hurts. I mean, I, perfectionism has always been something that I'm like, yeah, but that's way more. That puts it into a lot more perspective. It's like, I need to be good at everything. Right, dude? I know. It's like, it puts the weight of the world on your shoulders. Absolutely wild. Then you have the don't, expert. I won't be loved. That's why. Right, right, right. And we're going to tie this back. It's really, really interesting, right? So you're like, you said, then I won't be loved. Then people won't like me. Then I won't receive people's approval people pleasing. There are things that happen to us as we're aging that not only shape one of, uh you know if not one of these five all of these five childhood wounds literally childhood wo- wounds bah, bah. which childhood i had a whole wounds. connection bah, bah, bah. because 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 of childhood wounds okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think we're going to add these little, these little songs into our lexicon just throw them out into future episodes. <laughs> I love it. Actually, yeah, we should do that. We should start. I, that's a great idea. Okay, so the third one we have is the expert. You expect to know everything and feel ashamed when you don't. This one resonates with me a bit as well because I don't want to speak on something. Yeah, I feel called out on every one of these myself. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so I feel so called out. I know that you do too. Um, the next one, you have the soloist. You believe work must be accomplished alone, and you refuse to take credit if you receive any kind of assistance. That was an interesting one that I didn't resonate so, to as much. I kind of want to break that one down because I think I might not be understanding it correctly. Sure. If they're doing a group product project, they don't believe they can take credit for it because other people assisted. So therefore, they're like demeaning themselves in their work. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, so that doesn't resonate care. with me. Uh, that one is like the was the least of the five where I was like I don't really get that one um yeah it's just basically you care more about who completes the task and you typically turn down help to prove you're worthy as an individual in your own mind um the only achievements that really matter or count are when you're you accomplish it like on your own gotcha oh because because in your mind then you don't have to fight the lie that you wouldn't have never been able to accomplish this on your own 
precisely. It's like it's it's solving that problem for them by proving there was no assistance. Interesting. Isn't isn't it? I definitely feel that sometimes when I do work on my own and it's commended, but I don't I'm not driven by that by any means. I like teamwork. I always have. I do too, unless somebody doesn't do the work and then you, you end up with more work and then it's like that I'm resentful. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and I like if I'm doing a group project and I'm resentful, I like kind of want to to hint, hint, nudge, nudge to people. Hey, this was my project. You know, I'm a little prideful about it. Oh yeah. So I'm like kind of not that at all. <laughs> not that I think about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> same, same. Actually, I, I, that was the least one I resonated with. The fifth one is the natural genius. You tell yourself that everything must be handled with ease, otherwise, it's not natural talent. Oof. Dude, I felt so called out on this one. That is the most for me, hands down. Gosh. Um, essentially, for natural geniuses, true competence means having inherent, inherent intelligence and ability. Since intelligence and ability are seen as innate, the thinking here is that success should be effortless, which I, too, struggle with this. Goes back to being a child, being good at a lot of things. Yep. And when I wasn't good naturally at things and I had to work harder for them, I considered that a failure. Yeah. And I feel like we've had this conversation before where at that same precipice where we or at that same um, meeting point where we both felt that way, you went into hyperdrive of working significantly harder and I put a roadblock and did not pursue those things at all. I said, if I'm not naturally good at this, then I'm not meant to do it. And I just stopped with a lot of things. So. It's interesting to see how we handle it afterward, but same feeling. But me and you both handling them to extremes. Oh, yeah. And, oh, it, it, I wish in certain cases, like um, math, for example, with me, which I'll circle back to, something that I was always naturally good at, skipped a, skipped a year of math, which I'll circle back to that story soon. And uh, all of a sudden, I was behind all these things for years and years. I had to work significantly harder than everybody else. I saw myself as a failure for many, many years when really I was in a situation that was not even caused by myself. But you can hear the imposter syndrome in my voice, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I'm rationalizing this in my mind as we speak to justify oh, it's showing why. You've done, work. you've done work to heal that one specific story. And I can hear that in your voice. I can oh, hear the narrative you. that you've had to tell yourself of, I was wrong back then and here's why. And I think that's cool. Oh, thank you. I've, I've come a long way in the last few years. Um, and assessing, oh, this happened to me. Here's what I could control. I tried very hard to control the situation to best of my ability, and it got out of hand with yeah. the perfectionism and all of that good stuff. So those are the five. Um, so of all of that, what do you resonate with the most? I can I can repeat them really quick. Again. Yes, can you repeat them again? Of course, of course. So I also have a piece of paper here in front of me. So that's. I'm not just remembering these off the top of my head, which I didn't think any of you thought that I did, but here's my imposter syndrome going. Ah, shut up, Jackie. <laughs> no, you're doing great work. <laughs> Having a paper doesn't make you any more or less prepared. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So we have the perfectionist. We have the super woman man or super person, right? I'll just say the Did you just person. say super woman since it's just I'm a woman? And I go by she, her. So yeah, and I'm a woman too. And you and are I go too. By she, her. So we can just say superwoman. But sure, for context, sure, sure. If, if you're not a woman or you don't want to be called a she or a her, then you have other terminologies you can use yes. for yourself to, to relate. And what I'm reading from has the different ones 
so I'm just again I'm re- I'm writing for paper so uh forgive me everybody um so we have the super person the superhero I should say the expert um the soloist and the natural genius Okay, I was just writing them down so that I can remember because my memory sucks. This is me creating coping mechanisms for the lack of my ability for short-term memory. You're good, bro. I got you. Um, Okay, that is actually something that I I, like. I can get into in a little bit, but I really do think like the way my brain works led to having some imposter syndrome because I can't do things the same way a lot of people can do them. It won't work for me, and it didn't work for me, and I think that was my childhood wound. Anyway. Um, of those three, I would say um, natural genius is for sure the number one, but I think it's informed by the expert and the superhero. I feel like those three have a lot in common, uh, specifically the expert and having to know everything goes very well with having to be good at everything. Um, mm-hmm. I find that those are really similar. They're not the same, but I am very curious and interested in a lot of things. So I have a lot of random knowledge about random things. So I like to know stuff just in general. And I find that I do know a good amount of things. So when I don't know things, I hate that feeling. It's like, oh, wait, the rest of my knowledge doesn't matter. I don't know this one thing. So I relate to that. And then superhero, that one, remind me again, that was about needing to what was that one again feel you should be able to excel at every role you take on in your life yes okay so that to me is like basically the same thing as natural genius um except with a different spin I guess if you're a superhero this kind of reminds me of your mentality of getting in and no matter how hard you work you're going to be good at it no matter what you put into it like you're going to put in whatever it takes to to excel and you will Mm -hmm. excel or you have to excel Mm-hmm. Um, I relate to that a lot, but also I think it's probably on the flip point of that. I, I believe that if I am naturally good at something, then that's a, like, I can excel at it. And I don't believe I, it's not that I don't believe I can't excel at the things I'm not naturally good at. It's more like I'm incredibly hard on myself if I'm not naturally good at it. And I don't give my chance, myself the chance to even mm-hmm. explore that. Yeah. Realm. Mm-hmm. So I feel that. So I don't really, I sort of selectively take on roles in my life that I feel I can excel at. Um, so definitely more natural genius there because <clears throat> the uh, superhero is, I didn't read this before, you believe you can do it all and you are unable to say no, even if you're struggling to keep up with everything. I do relate to that though. Like I think about work and I will not say no to being asked to do anything. And I feel like I have to be good at everything I'm asked to do. So I do relate to that, but some of that's just like being a woman and not feeling like I can speak up and say no. So it's, there's a lot of societal and experiential factors going into that. So I guess I can just settle it and say, I do relate to that one, but I more relate to natural genius. And like you said, that experience being good at a lot of things naturally growing up and the things that I wasn't good at were like very, very hard for me to swallow. And there were a few and far between and then they came later in life. I hadn't, I could genuinely believe I hadn't built up the skills to understand failure and was just, and now I know with uh, rejection sensitive dysphoria, I'm really sensitive to failure, which is why I think I respond differently than you. If I feel I'm a failure at something, I'm so deeply wounded by that that it's almost like I can't think about even exploring that again because the pain was too much the first time and if it happens again then it's going to be 
just as bad and, or worse. And I don't want to feel that way again. So I believe like if I fail at something, then I'm just like a completely useless piece of trash and I um, can't do it at all. And therefore I can't do anything. <laughs> like it's not, Isn't it amazing? So quickly, if it's just one tiny thing, like for instance, using chopsticks, I'm not good at it. I didn't eat, my family didn't eat sushi growing up. Like I, I never really had a reason to use chopsticks. And I don't know if it's like a motor skills thing or something. I was a really good athlete. So I have like good athletic skills, but maybe it's just like motor skills in my hand. Um, I don't know what it is, but I try really hard and they're not easy at all for me. And I've tried like a lot in my life. I've tried to practice and it's just something that for whatever reason, I just can't get it. And I have like cried in public multiple times because I get embarrassed when people try to teach me how to do things that are so simple and like shouldn't be challenging and everybody else knows how to do it. Like there's literally no worse thing in the world to me than that situation. Like somebody's trying to tell you to do something mundane and easy and right. you fail at it. And Connor makes fun of me because I cried in a restaurant one time, but I don't think he can quite understand because he doesn't have this feeling. I don't think he can quite understand how silly, like I know it looks silly on the outside, but it feels like a failure that, that sets off the dominoes of every other failure I've right? ever had. You're like, you're it's just a, a trigger. Failure. Yep. Yep. You're like, okay, well, because I can't use chopsticks, that's reminding me of all the other things that I cannot do when I'm trying, trying, trying to do them. And here's the reason why I don't try to do them again. It's amazing what our yep. brains can do. It's scary. It's like, well, I didn't need to think about all those other things. Why couldn't I just accept I can't do that? Yeah. And in my case, like accept it and actually like practice and get good at it in my own time and not just when I feel mm -hmm. the pressure of needing to know how to do it. Um, that's just one example, but I just get so demotivated by feeling like a failure and I try to avoid situations like mm -hmm. that all the time. But even in my normal life, the things that I'm like, I guess, quote, good at in my job, I still feel like I can't do them or I should be better or I have a lack of myself. I'm, I'm corrupt in some ways that make me not ab as able to be good at this as other people. Mm -hmm. And I, that's, that's kind of an inside look at my head. Jackie, what of those top five are most resonant for you? Man. Oof. Man, not man. top five, the five. Yeah, the five. Mm, that's a tough one. You know what? I relate a lot to the natural genius one as well because you know, not that I would be like prevented from not, you know, trying something out if I wasn't as good at it, but because I had to work harder at those things, I felt like a failure. I felt totally. like because I had to work harder at this, I am a failure. Like that would literally be the narrative in my head. I think that that yep. one played out in a lot of my growing up. Um, but I would say it's, between that one and um, the super uh, hero one, because I will not say like no to things because I think I can truly do it all. I can yeah. hang out with this many people. I can juggle all these different goals in my life. The job that I do, being a, a wife, a sister, a friend, like there should be no cap on that for me. Why is there? Why do yeah. I become emotionally exhausted if I say yes to everything? It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense because I love all these things. Like, I can't allow for myself any breathing room or else I see that as a failure or something that I, like, can't, like, I can't accept that about myself. Do you feel like you're defective if you reach a, a point, a threshold where you can't continue with something in your life, like a, 
a social battery going out at the end of a week, does that make you feel like you're, you're, ah, I just pushed my phone. Um, like the dominoes start falling for you on, on your idea of yourself. Is that sort of what it looks like? Like mm-hmm. one of those things, one of those expectations, one of those roles you don't have the mm-hmm. energy for, and then you feel like therefore yeah. you don't have the energy for anything. And what's wrong mm-hmm. with me? Is that how it works? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then it's exactly how it works. Cause then what I'll do, and this is kind of a culmination of me having a mental breakdown tonight is I am so exhausted. Yeah in my life right now, like I, I don't have anything, hardly anything to give. And so I reached that point, but then what, what kicks in at that point is the perfectionist in me. Yep. And then it's like, well, what are you talking about? You can do all these things. And so then I ha- I feel like I have to have control in every sector of the things I've said yes to all of those things I have to be excelling in. And if I'm not, I'm failing. Even if I'm like slightly like down a little bit, like, if I've not been as good of a friend this week, if I've not been as, like, efficient in something, if I wasn't yeah. able to there for somebody, like, I wanted to be. It's, like, it could be anything. And in my mind, I'm, like, oh, I'm failing. And it's, like, well, actually, no, I'm not. Like, I'm trying to change that in my head. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's, 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 a, it's a daily struggle. Um, yeah. It's an uphill battle for sure. Do you feel like, so from what you just described to me, it sounds like the ones that you're experiencing the most, and just from what I know about you, are the first two, more than the last one maybe in your life currently. Uh, would that feel accurate? Obviously, looking at childhood, we have different ones that maybe were more yeah, resonant yeah. then. That's accurate. The natural genius one is one I think about my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if I'm to like look at a timeline of my life between when I was like five or six, to being 28 I see that being the main yeah. one and but I see right now I see uh primarily this superhero and I also see the perfectionist so yeah that's interesting I relate with all of them except the soloist really yep. I, I yeah I don't understand too. that one I'll the say expert. that's an interesting idea of zooming out and thinking about like what do you apply to your whole life I think the superhero one is what I apply to my entire life because when I'm having breakdowns and of self-doubt and like my weak moments, what I start saying Mm -hmm. is I'm not a good enough friend. I don't spend enough time with the people in my life. I don't reach out to them enough. I am not good enough. I've never gone after something I really care about in my career. I'm like weak in this, weak in that. And I call it all the things I feel, the roles that I feel I wasn't good at or I'm not good at. And that's where my depression finds me a lot of the time. So I guess that's more like in my dire moments, but it's not my first views. So that's an interesting perspective. It like is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I like how you said, like, what are you feeling right now? Like what's going on at the current moment? But then yeah. it's so interesting because that can be somewhat different than, oh, when I think about something that's been a primary theme of my life or something that's yeah. when I think about imposter syndrome. What's so crazy to me, too, is like I'm my biggest hurdle and I hate that it's like okay well if I'm I'm so easy to pinpoint things that are in my way to to try to fix them you know and to reach a goal but I can't like I can look inside myself and go hmm this is a hurdle of mine how do I overcome that one um so that I can see myself differently and it's really interesting I had a few, you know, 
it's it how do you think I have a few like questions for me and you yes go for it so it's like okay well when has imposter syndrome and I think you touched on this a little bit you know felt that, like it's been the most harmful to you and then I'll I'll go into my next one which is you know is it even capable of being a helpful trait because I have some th- I have some thoughts around that, that. is a really perplexing and thought-provoking question I'll definitely want to get into that in a minute but I can go with the first one uh what was the first one again so it's um in your life like how has imposter syndrome been something that's been harmful and then how yes. have you okay. identified that and then coped with that I'm adding I cool. identify and cope on the end of that yeah uh well I feel like it's always harmful in every area of my life I, I there's not like one specific area of my life that I feel it and others that I don't and that's probably everybody, but just felt like that's worth saying. I feel it with the work I'm doing currently. I feel it with the career that I wanted to have that I felt I couldn't go after because I'm not as talented of a writer as other people, or I'm not as talented of a creative as other people. So why I'm not going to be able to get a job. Like that's something that I, I really have thought so many times in my life. And one of the reasons I didn't go into the industry that I studied to go into, um, not one of the reasons, that is the reason that I didn't do it. It was the fear of the imposter syndrome, of that voice being right. And I, I really think that that's the biggest of it being harmful is the fear behind it. It's not necessarily the thought up front, because I think if it's just a thought and I have the ability to be logical without emotion behind it, then I can I can rationalize a thought and say, yeah, maybe that is true, but what's the worst case scenario if I am not as creative as other people? Mm-hmm. I go get a different kind of job and I figure it out, but at least I know. But it's the fear of finding out that I'm not or that I'm mm-hmm. my imposter syndrome is right and then feeling like I am so lost in like what is my life for? And that is the most harmful part of every every area of my life's imposter syndrome is the fear behind it. So I would say coping mechanisms, I don't know. I don't really think I have any really good ones. I think getting older, I've, this isn't a coping mechanism, but at least being able to acknowledge it has been a, a big step in the right direction of saying, I think I might be wrong about this, but this is how I feel about myself. Because I still, like, and it's really sad to say this, but I still buy into most of the um, most of the things my imposter syndrome tells me because mm-hmm. I haven't allowed myself to step out of the fear and prove it right or wrong. So those scripts are still very much uh, rolling mm-hmm. in my head in a lot of ways. And therefore, I don't, I clearly have not tackled them. So really just acknowledging is, is the step I'm in right now and hopefully can get to a place where I can mm-hmm. cope with them in a more meaningful way. Like I'm trying to say, this is a silly way to look at things and you'll never know unless you try. And at least I, th- I know to think like that now. And I know that that's a better way to live your life. It's just, I haven't gotten over the fear to actually step out and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think calling a name to it and saying and identifying this is imposter syndrome, just yeah. like you're saying, I, saying that as an adult talking about it like yeah this is something that's a lot of people experience and I you know feel ashamed about like I don't want to even mention this but um it's interesting to hear about yours yours is is definitely like mine is also fear-based as well but I like truly have a belief about myself 
I'll try new. I'll go to try like something that's new. But like I have this narrative and believe so clearly that I wouldn't be able like that. That I really am not capable of something, or like at the end of the day, I'm really, I'm being an imposter by going out and like applying for this job. Oh, yeah. I'm being yeah. an imposter, like that is the main thing that's in my mind. And in a, at a lot of times, I've ended up in situations where I've been overworked, over spent too much time on something, and exhausted myself, like where I am at this point, because I didn't trust myself. Oh, yeah. To be able to do something, like, well or accurately or, like, it's just crazy. It's like you don't know your worth, maybe? Is that part of it? 100%. I do not know know my worth. I I, I straight up do not. Oh, I don't either. You're in good company. Yeah. That's why we're good (laughs) for each other. like, that's the thing is, like, I'm with you. Like, I sometimes, I didn't even recognize that it's imposter syndrome for forever. And still, I don't sometimes because I have been preaching this narrative about myself to me my mm-hmm. entire cognitive life and I still have hard time weeding through what's imposter syndrome and what's reality because there is reality to some of it like some of it is like yeah I'm not going to be good at everything and yeah I've got weaknesses it takes courage to pull those out and pull out the imposter syndrome and allow myself to figure out which is which and I just like I occasionally do it but it I still I still believe <laughs> That a lot of the imposter syndrome syndrome stuff belongs in the bucket of all the things that are legitimate weaknesses of mine. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, it's, it's so it's sad. Wild. And I, I really don't know if you relate to this. I so much of it. My fear is like my fear of me finding out my weakness, but also just being found out by those around me or like people in my life that I care about or people yeah. that I find their opinion will bring me value. Mm-hmm. Uh, or make me feel more valuable. I am so, so suspicious, or not suspicious, that's not the right word. I guess anxious is is the best word I can think of right now to explain. Like I'm constantly uh, nervous and anxious that I'm going to be found out and exposed. Do you relate to that at all? Um, I I do. I, especially around people where I really like respect their opinion. But then, like, actually, it's more so with people that I feel like I have to prove myself around. Like, they're almost, they're very critical of me. Like, there have been people in my life that have been uh, incredibly critical of whether it be my personality or um, just how I'm, like, my performance, I think, in general. When actually my performance at that time in my life was was a great performance, you know, I thought. You know, at this time, which is a lot, actually, That's for me so to say. That's so heartbreaking. Ugh, um, you know, your personality, then, WTF, give me their name after this call. I'm going to, yeah, some people just, we just don't jive and that's totally fine. Like I send them a glitter bomb. Yeah. Fiery turd. Um, but yeah, I relate to that in that I am afraid of being found out, but it's so interesting. It's like, if I, I can on paper, right. I'm to look on a sheet of paper and it says, Jackie can do X, Y, Z. You know, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm capable of that. Like, I can say that to you, Barry's. Oh, yeah, I can do that. But when I'm doing the task, it's so interesting. I'll, I will not be believing that I can do it. It's, it's the most bizarre thing. No, I get that. I just don't think I can do it when I look at the paper either. I like, I feel like my whole resume is a lie. I know it's not, but I feel like it is. (laughs) Oh, I get it. I totally get it. It's, 
it, and then you know it's like well then why should I even promote myself or why should I say that I like to do these things or I'm good at these things when I don't even believe that about my own self and it's interesting one of the things that I read about was like you may over prepare or work hard harder than you need to just to prove that you're not an imposter and that's like the story of my life like I will spend hours on something that honestly probably could have taken me two hours it's just like I'm practicing practicing over and over and over again it's like that perfectionist element to know like to look back and basically like if it goes to shit then I can say oh it's because I didn't work hard enough or it's like not taking into account that I'm a human being and I'm going to make errors yeah that's really interesting with it it's it's super interesting and I think a lot of why I am the way that I am and why I view myself the way I view myself is also mom if you're listening like please don't take this like too personally right like we all have stuff that that sounds terrible I'm not a mom I don't I'm trying to be like delicate about this. Like I I have I have such incredible parents. Like love you mom and dad. I appreciate the way that, you know, they both drove me to success. I wouldn't be as driven as I am now without my parents. Maybe I would be, but I truly believe that. But there was a standard for me growing yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. Very high standard. Um this is what success looks like. Success looks like great grades like almost perfect grades success looks like doing anything and everything that you can do success looks like from a young age and I let that play the narrative so it's like if I couldn't do one of those things or if I was failing at one of those things I was a failure did my parents say that to me no they did not did I you're young you're gonna interpret it that way because you only have so much context about the world and the experiences around you outside your own home like that's just it is what it is yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think that that developed a large part of my, like, to be successful, I have to have other people, the people pleaser. I have to have other people acknowledge and tell me that I'm doing a good yeah. job and that yeah. that was perfect. That to me is good. Yeah. You know, which is messed up. I can't, I can't function in the real world that way. If I do, I'm literally going to drive myself into the ground. Yeah. I think a lot of people are trying to function that way. You're certainly not alone, but you're right. It's not sustainable. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking while you were talking that my parents didn't really have strict academic um, goals for us. I just naturally had really good grades and then grew to be very hard on myself when I would, if I didn't have near perfect grades, I was like my own critic, but I was always a better student than my brothers. So it was like, that was an easy win in the house. But the way that my parents kind of reflected a similar attitude as yours. And again, this is not on them. They really thought this was what was best for me. And and honestly, maybe it was, who's to say, Uh, but it was the, like the Christian principles were pushed on me Mm -hmm. that much. So I always felt, and maybe this is why I have such a a suspicion that I'm going to be found out is because like I, so much of the Christian life is in private of like how much you're praying, how much you're journaling, how much Mm -hmm. you're blah, blah, blah. And that adds up to how good of a Christian you are. And I always felt like people were going to find out that I didn't read the Bible three times a day. And then that that would be like your toast, your nothing. And Mm -hmm. I was hoping everybody felt else felt that way. But I honestly think there are some people, and this is where, and I I don't want to like talk about ADHD all the time, but I do think it's, it's helpful for me to know this now because I rethink back through my life. And I think a lot of my imposter syndrome comes from that too, because I don't have it's really hard for me to work in a 
um, standard, work hard in a standard way. So I'm also carrying the weight of the fact that I want to be the best and I'm struggling to even sit down and do my work because I can't, it's so hard for me to work on things unless it's the deadline. And when it's the deadline, I work my ass off. But when it's not, I literally cannot sit myself down. And I used to carry so much guilt about that and still do, honestly, that people are going to find me out as I'm not a hard enough worker because I can't work in sequence like most people can. And I know now to give myself grace about that, but I think that also applied to the, the Christian ideals because I didn't have the constitution to have, uh, have routine. What I've learned about ADHD is like you can have routines, but if you break them once, you're literally never going to do it again. <laughs> so it's a pattern in my life. I'll be like, I can do something for like a couple months. And then after that, like toast. <laughs> and then it takes a lot to get back into routines because it's so the anti of the way my brain works. And that, that applied to those Christian ideals as mm-hmm. well. Because so much of it is so routine. And I had friends who were held captive in the opposite way where they were working too much on the Christian ideals. I was thinking yeah. about working too much all the yeah. time. So it was going on You're in my head. Me, I was the other end of the spectrum, which I think in some ways was not good for me. You know? Yeah. Well, if it helps, I was spending just as much time as you were reading the Bible, thinking about how I was a bad person for not sitting down and reading the Bible. Like that well, thought. I was thinking about how, ooh, I must be a bad person because I don't really understand this. I have some questions about certain things. Yeah. That must be. I didn't that have that be, feeling until college. I must be a bad person. I, I must went, be a goodish person. Dude, I feel that hence like one of the main motivators for the name of this podcast was the reality that Jackie and I have both experienced that. And I used to work for the church and I found like there is, they say it's safe to ask questions, but in my experience, and this is only my experience, I never felt very safe asking the big questions. It's like there's approved sins to share in small group. There's also approved questions to ask. Uh, yeah. Little Q questions, not big Q questions. And that was something that was really challenging as well, because I'm a really mm-hmm. like thoughtful, cerebral person and kind of obsessive in my thought. I'm not very good yeah. with action, but I'm very good with thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I, I like they're going all the time. And once I start thinking something like that, mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to get it out of my head. And I never felt safe yeah. to do that. And I know you felt like, the same way. Yeah, you're like, well, actually, like I need I need answers or I, I would like to, to come to certain conclusions yep. or to use deductive reasoning on certain things. Yep. And again, it kind of goes back to what we we're talking about at the beginning of this conversation. There are safe places to really do a deep dive with those types of conversations. Totally. And as you get older, you have to be so selective about those people yep. Yep. because I have experienced a backfire in a lot of <laughs> cases. I know that you have as well. There's there are space for conversations like that, and I'm so thankful for spaces like that. And then there's not there's not space. So you know, it's yeah, like wisdom that comes it's, with wisdom. And unfortunately, it comes from getting burned a few times. Or like my experience, I'm really observant about people and patterns. I'm not as observant about um, this. Comes with the Myers Briggs. I'm not as observant about clues that a um, like physical clues that I can see on the ground. But when it comes to people, their emotions and how they're experiencing things, I'm picking up on it most of the mm-hmm. time. So I witness a lot of people go through a lot of hardship because of their questioning and their, mm-hmm. the, anything that they did to go mm-hmm. outside of those bounds yeah. of what the Christian ideal was. And I saw a lot of lack of actual grace and a lot of talk of 
actual a lot of talk of grace but no actual grace mm-hmm. that's and, so hard dude that's and it, so hard honestly mm. it it really is and but you know what it, honestly the more i think about it and i haven't thought about this till right now it makes me sad for the people stuck in that pattern because mm-hmm. how sad to not feel free to be honest with the people that you love and maybe other people do feel free and maybe it was my imposter syndrome holding me back because i knew if i said something then I'd be not a, not checking all their boxes and then they wouldn't think I would fit in or be approved and then I'm like exiled, right? Um, not because people don't love me because that's just how the system works. And all that to say, I think it is really related to imposter syndrome, like religion, school, all of it. Like it, it really oh, oh, all plays, plays a freaking role. Yeah, there was like, you know, a weight put on my shoulders at a young age of like, you have to make this decision. You have to come to this conclusion about what you think about this, about how you feel. And, you know, I, of course, it's like, okay, well, I, you know, I want to be the best. I want my parents to see me as perfect. I want my friends to see me as perfect. A way to go about that is following the rules and, you know, uh, going above and beyond on just about Mm -hmm. any task I'm given. That's how I stand out as a woman. That's That's what to stand out i've got to take the, the 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 assignment i've given and i've got to do the best job that i've got to do at that and i've got to stay in my lane but i'm going to stay in my w- lane in the best way that i can stay in my lane yep you know uh, as a you know kid and turning into a teenager and into an adult and in a lot of ways that narrative was really harmful to me and in a lot of ways i think it made me to be who i am in a lot of ways in that um i'm very driven I'm an extremely driven person. I work very, very hard at what I do in my personal and in my work life. Um, and I'm very thankful that I am that way. But um, it does not serve me well sometimes. So I know that's like a lot. But. No, 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 no. I No, it's good. I was trying to think if it is I, because our outcomes from this are opposite. And it's probably to do with my brain chemistry, honestly. I think it is far more hurtful to me than it is helpful because it has hindered me from trying and things that I might love or might be good mm-hmm. for me. And it's made me sort of like pad myself with bubble wrap mm-hmm. in my life out of fear of failure because my fear of failure isn't necessarily that I won't be perfect or I won't, that I'm not good at the job or task in front of me. It's that because I'm not good at the job or task in front of me, I have no personal significance. So it gets back to that. That's really kind of more of it. And that's the Enneagram 4 in me. It's more about my ability to stand out and feel special, not because I need to be better than everybody else, but because I truly believe that if there's nothing about me that stands out as good and special, that I literally have no significance, which is so silly and dramatic, but it's how my, it's how I'm wired. And so it's very similar to you, but it's a little different in that way. Mm -hmm. And so I think it hasn't really been helpful to me in a way that's extremely constructive. I think it's the only way it's maybe been helpful to me. And I wasn't thinking about this till right now is that one thing about myself that I, you know, have found to be helpful to other people is that I kind of ponder a lot of the deep pain that I've experienced through my depression and through Mm. the fact that I feel like I don't have significance or like I'm a failure and like think very lowly of myself occasionally, not all the time, but a lot of the time, especially when I was younger. And, and because of that, I find that I can like relate to that in people or at least make people feel safe talking about that feeling that they mm-hmm. have in themselves. So 
I guess it helped me build up the experience to allow people to not feel alone in that, which is really great. Uh, and I love helping people feel that way, but sometimes it doesn't feel very helpful to myself, you know? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> it has not at maybe all. been taken advantage of before in my life. So I don't know. Mm, helpful, hurtful, geez. it's hard to say. Yeah, that's tough. And it's it's really easy. There are seasons that I go through where I go, oh, it's really easy. Like even this week, like today, I could say, yeah, that that a lot of this has, has been more harmful. It's caused me a lot more heartache and pain emotionally than it has, you know, um, caused me joy and, you know, being excited about things. Because if I really think about it, right, there are key points in my life where I've experienced, you know, whether it be a promotion or have the opportunity to, like, uh, speak in front of people or any, you know, I have joy in those moments, which is really profound. It's wonderful. And I think a lot of my success around that is because I work really really hard and because I like what I do and you know whatever but um the in-between moments if I really sit down and I analyze it are a lot more than those moments it's that what do I weigh them as more and I think I'm sometimes I can be really I don't know what the right word to use is but you know I've used ignorant a lot but I'm choosing to see the smaller bits of joy and use naive instead naive thank you naive yes for you. yes sort of you. um no that is a wonderful way to put it I think that I choose to be naive and I'm when I'm not I can sit there and I can go um you know what it's going to be more painful for me to sit there and look at all of the shit in between that yeah. really the day-to-day that's where I'm overworked and all this and I'm like okay well a lot of the times in those moments where I'm working really hard I'm I'm going after something and I want that something and I want others to see that something and I want to be impressive and I want to be all those things it's like at the end of the day I have to strike up a balance of working hard but believing that I can do it and like seeing myself the way that other people see me which I know is never going to be able to be achieved but it's like okay well how in the world do I start like toward working toward that and I think it's just having conversations like these where it's just being honest and being like well yeah that sucks but it's how I've lived a lot of my life and but I can change a behavioral pattern like I can change the way that I see myself I just have to it it takes work if I can work as hard toward a simple task or an achievement that I would like to accomplish can I work as hard at seeing myself the way that other people see me yeah that's a good question and while you were talking I was thinking are do you find that the fact that you are driven to work so hard and and by that I mean give actually like a lot of time I'll say it this way because I also work very hard but what I'm asking is like in the like you pour blood sweat and tears consistently every day which again, I still have like, it's just not how my brain works. And I'm very impressed by you. But because of that, you're very smart, you're very talented. And that leads to success because when you put a smart, talented person and consistently pouring blood, sweat and tears, you're going to be successful. Does it make it harder to be motivated to work on your imposter syndrome and try to find that balance because you are finding success? Yeah. 
Yes. Because you're yes. an Enneagram three. That's like your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. That's like my bread and butter, which another reason why ugh, I'm like so obsessive and focused on achieving something and wanting others to recognize that. And oftentimes I find that to be the case. So I'm like, oh, I worked really hard on this. Okay, boom. Successful that. Successful. Successful that. Next uh, check mark, check mark, check mark. And trying to meet all these things, even though when I know I'm not perfect, I'm putting all of this pressure on myself. I'm so distracted by all of those things that there's no time for me. I can make time, but it's like, well, here, here's what's crazy, right? Me working on what's going on with me internally. So going, how do I believe that about myself? Here's what my mind's doing. Is that going to benefit your goal? Is that going to yeah. make you any more successful? Is that going to make you like, you know, and that's just like so messed up in my head. It's yeah. like, I can't even take the time to like love myself because I'm so obsessively focused on like being like, that is a scary concept. Um, and then again, seasonal, there are seasons where I really tr- take the time to love yeah. myself and to pursue. And oftentimes yeah. it's when I have more time on my hands. Sure. When I don't have as many obligations, when I, and I have to sit and I have to, you know, that's when I really do the digging, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, I end up like self-loathing because I'm so distracted and I'm like, uh, and I really, to be honest, don't have a lot of people in my life. This is outside of personal relationships. This yep. is, this is purely trying to achieve goals. I don't have a lot of people who are seeing me do those goals going, yeah. you're great, Jackie, you've got this. You're, I only get called out a lot of the time for mistakes I have yeah. That is detrimental to someone who, who operates the way that my brain works. Yeah, no kidding. I don't operate well in a situation like that. I've identified that and I'm working on that, uh, which I think is progress. I think is progress. No, that's really impressive, honestly. Um, do you think, sorry to drill, drill you with questions, but I've got a lot of questions. No, you're fine. You, not really. Hilarious. I was wondering if when you are stepping back and assessing, do you find your natural instinct is to start to create a task list of things you need to check off to try to overcome your, yeah, she's laughing. I knew it. <laughs> I'm literally laughing because I just did this today. <laughs> oh my God, wait. I, I should pull up my phone. No, I'm That's not, not a bad you. thing. Task lists are great. I literally I just think it's funny. Ned. <laughs> I texted Ned and I was like, I'm having a really hard day. Like I'm all in my head. And then I said, you know what I need to do? He didn't even reply. It was like 15 minutes later. I said, you know what I need to do? I need to write down everything that I want to do. I said, I need to know everything I want to do for the next five years. I want to know when I'm going to accomplish it, like set a timeline for myself so that I can set like mini goals for myself. And I'm just laughing because that's exactly what I did today. So much. But that is amazing. But that was so cringy. Um, but <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So dude, for dude. you, the anxiety comes in the fact that you can't actually know where you'll be in five years and what those goals will be. Is that is that anxiety inducing for you? Is that you really don't have any power over that? Weirdly, uh, so five years from now, I I actually have a lot of hope when I think about five years from now. I think when I think about a year from now, that's when I really get anxiety um which I know it's like somewhat of the same thing but I'm like oh I've got plenty of time with five years I don't have that much time with one year yeah so that's that's when the pressure really like comes on um I think that my biggest hurdle though when I look at one year is believing that I'm capable of 
like really like uh compelling things that I'm I'm capable of doing good in this world that I'm capable of you know like success but I think success in my in my own eyes not in others eyes because I oftentimes like, mm, okay yeah. well I want other people this is like so messed up but I, like I told Ned that I was like I really want other people to find me impressive and that's I mean, a lot of what drives I mean, me who doesn't want that maybe it's just us two but how are how else are you supposed to know if you are successful unless someone else affirms that what you did was successful? That's a that's a great point. I think that's a flawed it's a flawed premise, but that's how I feel as well. Like I can work on thinking I'm being a success, but maybe it's not like the thing I'm accomplishing. I need to find the effort successful or stepping out and doing this or believing in myself as success instead of like what I standardly have thought of success is like, is this task that I or this project or whatever right. it is in life that I'm presenting to somebody else even if it's like presenting a friendship or presenting yeah. being a daughter or presenting whatever you're presenting a product and that person's response is saying yes this is good or yes this is bad but like we were trained to think like that we took tests and we wrote papers and got our grades back. Right. so we got gold stars for good behavior you know like yeah, right. I feel like anybody who paid attention to that and had any hint of people pleasing and like any hint of insecurity latched onto that as like, I can be good or be successful if I get a gold star or if oh, I, one, I agree. Yes. I think it totally makes sense that you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's affirming to me. Um, and it's reminding me that, yeah, I'm like looking for all of those things. Gold stars being like, um, number of, people that you know congratulated me on a certain thing or mm -hmm. you know who's noticing me and all this and it's like oh at the end of the day like no matter what I experience in my life I'm always going to be searching for that the grass is always going to be greener no matter yeah. what I do I'm trying to change the way that I see it internally and going what brings me the most joy what do I like doing when I work that needs to be enough for me I want I want that to be enough for me. Yeah. Like I want to wake up and go, today I did something that I like to do and I enjoyed doing. And you know, if I die tomorrow, I'm doing what I enjoy to do and I'm not I'm not so fixated on what other people think about me doing a task, but I'm fixated on do I like what I'm doing in this task? That's what's that's going really on up here. And it's really important and there's a lot of undoing to be done to get there. So it's like, it's okay. I think that it's taking us time and I think the hardest thing for me, and I don't know if this is your experience, but the hardest thing for me that keeps me from growing is, um, just feeling like I've already soiled it. And the fact that I haven't fixed it by now is irreparable. And that's just mm -hmm. not the truth. Like things take time and we grew up in a system we grew up in a school and a church where it's like, you're getting gold stars. You're getting, um, I used to get candy when I memorized the Bible verse and could recite it fast enough. Like mm -hmm. I have, and you and our society have been given reward for our good work in the eyes of them or the eyes of whoever is leading. And honestly, sometimes that was really good because it's good affirming, um, affirming response for you to know like, yes, what you did is good. And it's not inherently bad that we grew up in that system. I think it really works. But when it comes to believing in yourself, 
without the approval of others, it's going to take a lot of undoing, of, of reframing, maybe is a better term mm-hmm. to get there. So here yeah. we are in our journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just trying to reframe over here. We're just trying to get, get it kicked back in. But yeah, it's no, Man. no easy task, but it's, it's just not. the honest truth. It is the honest truth. And I'm hoping for me, one of the, the ways I know that it, it shows the most that I have this imposter syndrome and that my value hinges so much on other people's opinions is I have a really hard time taking feedback. And um, like I said earlier, rejection, I'm very sensitive to it. So feedback to me registers as rejection of me. So this is where the natural genius comes in. It's like, if your first shot isn't good, then it's never going to be good. That's how I feel about myself. Like if you get rejected or if, sorry, if somebody gives you feedback, it's a wash, like you're done. And I take it really poorly. So I'm hoping with growth that that Mm -hmm. can start to show of like, it gets easier to take feedback and not view it as an indictment on me as a person and my talents. So true. And I actually saw something the other day that was like, view failure, not as failure, but as a lesson. Like I'm receiving this and, and for many, many years, i did not receive feedback well. I could receive it. I could receive feedback better these days, but I'm more, I'm more open to it. I'm like, okay, I, I, it's weird. The last two years, like I, I, I have had more grace for myself. You wouldn't believe it for the last, you know, I've, you know, when I've spoken the last thirty minutes, you wouldn't think I, I do. But I don't know, man. It's like, okay, well, you know what? I, I try to look at it too. It's like, okay, well, if I hadn't had this lesson happen to me, I wouldn't be a better version of myself. I just would have been like, yes, yeah. it's do like, you, I could see that as failure, but do you also maybe look at feedback as them giving a new set of rules that you can then achieve that and come back with a better, with like getting their stamp of approval after you work on their feedback? You know what? In a toxic relationship. Yes. Which I've had very I don't think that's toxic. Bad. I think that's okay. No. Yeah. Oh. I think that's okay. Cause like you, you're still motivated and your value is not coming. I mean, you're still maybe looking for that gold star, but at least mm-hmm. you're willing to not make it, let it identify you that you weren't perfect the first time. I think that's big. Yeah, I think I think maybe I'm responding that way because I'm, I'm putting it into two experiences I've had. I, I've had really toxic leaders who have been above me in past jobs who have, um, you know, who have brought me feedback, sometimes yeah. constructive, sometimes not constructive. Often and so I've not. Taken the, yeah, I've taken the not constructive feedback and I've gone, hmm, okay, that's my new set of rules that I have to follow, which totally like threw me off kilter. I was like, yeah. well, now that's actually not realistic when I look back. But nowadays, when someone who I trust and who I know is giving me really solid feedback, who I very much respect, like for example, um, if she's listening to this podcast, hey Amanda, what's up? There's a woman at my company right now who's our SVP of strategy who's such a badass. Oh my gosh, not only is she brilliant, but she gives incredible advice and um has given me great encouragement, not only just at work in general, and really, really solid feedback. She's like, Hey Jackie, have you thought about it this way? And I'm like, Whoa, no, I haven't. That makes total sense. I really respect her opinion. And so that's someone where I'm like, ooh, I like hear what you're saying. This is good feedback for me to hear of something I can do differently next time. I'm not even thinking of it like a rule. I'm almost like, yeah. oh, I'm improved. 
I'm improving myself. And it's very, very hard to find somebody who can do that for you. you yeah. Know? Well, it has to be, I feel like it's, it's a person who balances giving you encouragement and affirmation alongside with feedback. And I think some people mm. are, you know, some of us are prone to giving more encouragement. Some of us are prone to giving more feedback. So it's really hard to strike a balance, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's honest too. I think there's, I've had bosses before that um, have literally been like, oh, you're doing great at this, but you, you can tell when people are being genuine when they're not being genuine. Totally. And yeah. I don't know, but I'm, I mean, I'm with you. It's like, you know, you take that and you're like, oh yes, I will take this to heart. And I appreciate so much what you said and all that good stuff. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. Pretty great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is indeed. It is. Would be, would be great. Um, but essentially, so I had had questions for us, right? I had the, and I also, I don't want to rush this conversation either. No, Did no, bring you? it on. Okay. So, you know, I had, uh, when can it feel harmful? When may it be helpful? And then we kind of discussed a lot of the times, you know, I'm being naive or choosing naivety, naivete. <laughs> Love that word. Love so do I. It's so like sassy. Naivete. <laughs> naivete. Fancy, Crazy. fancy in French. Um, of course, how to how to overcome it. Um, when we can identify that it started, and then tools to overcome those. So it's interesting. Um, of the five that I mentioned, each one comes with a set of affirmations, which I thought was a a fun thing. So okay, well, let me tell you how you have imposter syndrome, but also let me tell you how you are special and how maybe you can handle this next time. I'm like, thank you, article. That was written by... It's Therapy with Abby. That's the name of it. Love it's it. Very nice. Love. Thank you, Abby. Thank you very much. Um, so, for the perfectionist, affirmations. Perfectionism inhibits success. Sometimes good is good enough. Here's the one that got me. Not everything deserves 100%. It's very true. Man, that's something I'm still learning, man. Oof. Not everything deserves 100%. Crazy. The superhero. I think it's, I oh, must sorry. say, though, I think it's really <laughs> valiant that you give everything such respect to give it 100%. I think that's really cool. <sighs> Thank you. I do. I, I seriously, like, I genuinely appreciate you saying that. Um, it's, it, it, I, I, I do, ugh, I'm at like a loss of words because it is a fun, special thing when I really think about it, but also at the same time, it's like, it has caused me a lot of heartache, so. For sure. It, I mean, it's a edged sword, right? But I think it's very cool, mostly because it's very different than me that you have the capacity to give that much to so much. Obviously, it's not healthy to do that all the time, but I think that is like very impressive and special that most people don't have that kind of ability you shouldn't run yourself like ragged over it but you have way more capacity than a lot of people do and I think that's really impressive well thank you for the affirmation on top of this little affirmation that I read that is very kind and like even if you give yourself a break occasionally you're still going to be working harder than like 99% of people so oh thank you that is kind um but yes, I will I will do better about giving it it needs to be given. 
so that I can have time for other things, like my five-year plan. <laughs> or just, like, sit, you know? You know what? I need to see Ned gets on to me. But, like, it may not be good for you. I don't know. My mom can't really sit still. It is still. good for me. Okay. Because when I do it is when I come out better on the other side. It just takes me a few days to adjust to sitting still. That's why vacation is good for me when I'm yeah. on vacation where there are no activities. When I'm really just by a pool out in the sun. And yeah. I do that for two days. I'm like, whoa, I'm a new woman. I really am. But um, Ned's like, why don't you just sit still? Like, that's his biggest thing. with Because I feel like both you and Ned are, like, in a lot of the ways that your brain works, like, very similar. Yeah. I am, like, have to sit. I But also that sitting is not restful for me a lot of the time because my brain is so active. It's yeah. complicated. Anyway. I think he would maybe argue the same, too. But yeah. he, it's I, still somewhat being somewhat restful depending on the situation i don't know maybe, sure, maybe not. absolutely I, well um, that's one of the reasons i like tv movies books because oh, i can connect best. to another story that's not mine and it distracts me from my own thoughts and that actually can be very restful for me it's not restful when i picking up my phone and am distracted by my phone so i try to keep that elsewhere because i we all know that i've told you before how much my phone gives me anxiety so if i have it near me it's often distracting me or I feel like I have to be working on other things but if I can truly just like sit down and connect to a story that's not mine that's true rest for me so that's why I love it so much it's and growing up I was always told like lazy people watch tv or movies like that was the narrative and it might still be the narrative I feel like it's deduced it's reduced a little bit because of like people binging tv shows there's a lot more access to to stuff now so it's not as much of the dialogue but it certainly was when we were growing up and I always felt drawn to tv but also like i'm drawn to intelligence and i'm drawn to being knowledgeable and like i'm not a lazy person i know that i'm a very like cerebral person and i also love tv so that was always conflicting for me but now i know it's my way of resting and it's my way of disconnecting but i also learn from it because i learn their written stories so they're not necessarily real but you can learn about like the human condition and relating to people from stories Mm-hmm. that are not your own experience so I feel like I've learned to I've learned about the world a lot as well so anyway that was just me talking myself down from the fact that people used to tell me like my brothers used to tell me I was lazy and my I've listened to people not say lazy. the same thing to my dad because he I, I'm convinced he works like me and I'm convinced he works the his brain is so similar to mine um and I and and <laughs> my mom was always like why is your dad so stressed all the time? He just sits on the couch. I'm like, I now know that he's not, he's, he's like me and he's stressed because there's no stopping your brain. Uh, but anyway, that's my caveat about sitting down. I'm sure Ned probably feels similarly because I know he loves oh, for sure. stories he's too. He's a huge movie buff and stories and yeah, definitely. And that's what drew me to movies too. Cause I wasn't a huge movie person before we started dating. Then we started dating, and he was like, here's like this intro in this new world. I was like, I love it. <laughs> yes, movies are the best. We watch like one or two movies a night. So I'm very up to speed on a lot of movies. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, and TV shows, although I will say I'm really bummed out. Quick tangent about how AHS, I've been watching this season, and it's a two-parter. So it's not coming back. Oh, no. And I didn't realize that until when I is it coming back? 2024. They haven't even announced the date yet. Oh, because they didn't finish it because of the strike. I, I need to do more of a deep dive on that. I got interesting. Moving into the superhero affirmations, 
So, of course, this is somebody when you feel like you need to be able to excel at every single role you're given. Oh, how exhausting. We've been there. We've done that. We do that. We've done that. <laughs> so, it's okay to say no. Delegating frees me and gives others the chance to participate. Interesting. So, I guess that means saying no and then going, hey, Johnny or Sally can do this. Wow, I'm really bad at that. I it is hard. It's really hard. Yeah, to do. I'm bad at that. Um, when I slow down and cut out unnecessary tasks, I get to focus on activities that really matter. I need to cut out some unnecessary tasks. Fair. <gasps> like thinking about my impending doom. Just kidding. <laughs> Hello, Will. Okay, the expert. There is no end to knowledge. There are many paths to expertise. Even when I don't know something, I can still project confidence. Oh, man. I like that one. It's one that I really struggle to do because when I don't know something, I feel so inferior. My my first thought was, that's bullshit. Like, honestly. (laughs) That inspired me, actually. That's how deep I am in that one. Like, honestly. I have so much hubris when it comes to knowing things, but the reality behind it all is that I feel like I know nothing. So that's the, that's the funny thing about imposter syndrome is like the ways that people probably think I'm most, um, maybe even prideful are the things I'm most insecure about, like intelligence. Yeah. Mm, I resonate with that one too. Um, yeah, I hate when I don't know something or I hate like that I know something and I'm like wrong about something. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, that's one of my least favorite feelings in the whole world. Like my body right now is tense. Yeah, tensed up, and that's why a lot of the times, like sometimes I won't say something because I'm like, "Am I right on that?" And a lot of the times, I'm right on it, but I just doubt myself. Like, I should just, I should just say it. You should say and the things, then, and then when I'm wrong, I should project confidence still and say, "Thank you for letting me know that." I will go into Google right now and I will research this topic more uh, in depth, and I will circle back. Confidence. Good for you. I hope to get there too. <laughs> it's a lot easier to stay behind a mic sitting oh, in man. my house. I just have like my pride so deep on that one. I gotta Bro, I gotta cut through I'm some chains. Too. Dude, pride's a real problem for me. Like I'm I'm a pretty prideful person. I think like that's why we care about what we do or what we care about and what we work hard on is because like that's where we find our value, right? So a lot of times that's where pride generates. So but I've seen like it's not always a bad thing there's good pride you know like you should be proud of yourself sometimes there's a line in an Avid Brothers song that's like it says I want to have pride like my mama had not like the kind in the bible that turns you bad and I love that line so much man I've never heard that line but damn it's very good shout out Murder in the City from Scott Avid whoa whoa wee wow indeed those those last ones on the expert hit me hard, I must say. This uh, this I'm finding as more productive in figuring out which category. Like, it's helping affirm my categories. Okay, so you think, like, yours is more the expert. I think it's going to be the most is going to be the last one. The okay. natural, um, what was it, natural. I had genius. This, natural genius. genius. And then I think the second, like, ter- the secondary would be the expert. I think they're kind of related because both have to do with knowing things and having knowledge but one is more concrete knowledge and one is more like natural 
talent, whether that be in, in, in knowledge and intelligence or in any sort of talent. But anyway, continue. Bada bing. Bada boom. Um, so the soloist, which is the one that me and you resonate with the least. Um, affirmations for the soloist. Competent people know how to ask for what they need. It's interesting because hmm. I, I oftentimes don't ask for what I need. Same. That is very resonant with me. But Maybe this is going to turn us around. <laughs> my, okay. Oh, man. All right. Because if I ask what I need, then that means I can't figure it out myself. I will say that I do. If that's what the soloist is getting at, then I res. If it's getting at that you don't like to ask for help, that is for sure something I don't like because I feel like that's admitting. That's admitting that you have a weakness. So therapy with Abby, my only critique, girlfriend, is that with the soloist, maybe I'm wrong. You're probably a psych- uh, psychiatrist in real life, and you're probably like, Jackie, you actually don't know, which is totally all good, um, but I am prideful. <clears throat> Feedback is constructive. Continue. So I'm just going to read the soloist again. I think it's important. You believe work must be accomplished alone and refuse to take credit if you received any kind of assistance. Now, with that comment for affirmations, competent people know how to ask for what they need. I feel like that's very general. I think it's applicable to the soloist, but probably many others. And so that's throwing me for a loop. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it might relate to the fact that you can, I think maybe her definition of the soloist is a little confusing and it should be more somebody who thinks that if they have to ask for help, it means that they're deficient. I feel like that might be what she, right. I think that's what she might be getting at. It's like, so therefore you try to figure everything out on your own, which actually that can be helpful because you annoy your bosses less when you do your own research and dig into company website to try to figure out answers from the HR handbook that everybody else would just message their boss about, you know, I I had a boss. Yeah, exactly. I've had a boss that felt he was so annoyed when people couldn't find information that was already in front of them. And I feel the same way. Like it annoys me when people don't, go looking for something before they ask the question i used to be pretty bad about that but then i did an internship where they were like did you google it and i was like (laughs) that i was like did you google it and i'd be like so that's when i really kicked that habit to the curb but i guess the last line here with the soloist before you get into the affirmations is the misguided thinking here is if i were really competent i could do everything myself which is touching on what we're talking about yeah that makes more sense to me than the first one it should have led with that, honestly. No. I agree. I agree. But, Just know, that's some know, good critique. Word change. Well, there's a contact button here. I could send her right now a critique. Just kidding. Just I wouldn't email that. her and say, I did get a <laughs> college degree in words, like in, in our language. I'll rewrite it for you. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> Just kidding. Great job, Abby. Being silly, but also serious. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, Competent people know how to ask for what they need. The second one, smart people seek out people who know more than they do. Ooh, that's Ooh, yeah, that's right. That's taking a knife to my side, man. Yeah, oh, but that has to do to me. That has to do with natural genius too, because you think you should know know right. things, so you shouldn't that's ask for help. Admitting failure, right? That's waving the white flag. That's going. Straight I'm up, not smart enough. Even just by asking, I mean, I swear to you, I will not like ask certain things. Or if like, hey, do you understand this? And I really don't. I'll be like, 
I mean, even if I understand a portion of it, I'm like, yeah, oh, absolutely. I've lied about that so many times in my life. I've also lied about like knowing cultural things when people are talking about stuff and thinking like, if I tell them, I don't know what they're talking about, that they're going to think less of me. Um, I haven't, I've been working on that. So I haven't done it recently because I've tried to be very cognizant of like, if you don't actually know what's going on, it's okay. And try to say it, but like, that's a real like innate desire in me to pretend I know everything. (laughs) And like, have you seen this movie? Yes. Which honestly with me, I probably have at this point, but when I was younger, I mean, I don't know. And how else does that play out? I mean, it plays out so much like in work meetings and stuff. Like I'll make a note, look this up later. (laughs) Or if you're meeting with a different kind of business and they're using all these acronyms that you don't know, I like write them down so that I can look them up later. Honestly, I I had a urban dictionary pulled up on my little slidey phone so that I could look up words people were using because I was really sheltered and I didn't want to, I didn't want to act sheltered. So when I was around the people I swam with at my club swim team, I'd look up things they were talking about. So I'd know what's going on. I I think this might be me too. Yeah, I do it too. I do that now, but with Gen Z. that's That's so almond mom. Like what? I, yeah, but Gen Z, I feel like for me at this point, I'm like kind of a grumpy older person. I'm like, I want to know what they're talking about, but also it's not my generation and I want to not be ignorant, but I also know that they're never going to take me seriously if I try to be one of them. So <sighs> you're better than me. When I said I was you're also younger than me and you're the oldest in your family. Yeah. I have like, I'm a straight millennial. So you have only by like a year. But but I have older brothers, and like oh, that really true, influences true. your upbringing. Like I grew up watching '80s TV shows and '90s. You know, like I was watching that's what true. my older brother was watching. I was hearing his conversations and absorbed yeah. a lot more of the 35 year old in my family. And you were the oldest, setting the tone for your family. That makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm still that like means. on the cusp, but I I from that think I have a lot more millennial tendencies. So. Well, thank you for vouching for me that I can relate to Gen Z. So Gen Z, if you're listening. You're like, you're right on the cusp. I said I was a millennial and they said that's the most millennial thing you could ever say. And I was like, I'm not going to argue with that. I could see how that would be. I think they call them cuspers, but don't use that term because Gen Z will think that's lame too. But I think that might be another term for it. See, okay, I got to quit trying to gain their approval. I'm just going to embrace my millennialism. And and you have some Gen Z too, so like just be you, and right, you know, and and it'll wash over you. you Shouldn't let the kids get to me. <laughs> them kids, we all know what Michael Jordan says about the kids. <laughs> yeah. No, what does he say? You don't know this quote. Connor says it all the time. You know what I would have Michael said? Jordan I'm says. Trying break, I'm trying to break my imposter syndrome right now. I would have said yes. I knew what you were talking oh, about. Oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Connor, the only reason I know this is because Connor says it all the time and like their friend what is says he, it. What is he MJ says, say F them kids. kids. <gasps> <Does laughs> it's just a quote, like not consistently. It's like he said that one time, I think. Is that from Space Jam? No. Oh my gosh. I think that movie's rated PG. <laughs> it is. That's why I was so concerned. I'm going to look it up. But <sighs> yeah, that's, that's something Connor references all the time. Hilarious. Just hilarious. Okay. So. We're gonna like if you I look up just f them kids, it's it immediately pulls up. Know your meme of Does Michael Jordan say saying saying, yeah. <gasps> That's amazing. It's like it's a meme. Yeah, it's a meme. Well, hmm. proud of myself. 
Nope. So I would have like pull my cords too much. Whoa. Okay, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's terrible and so that's terrible, <laughs> but also hilarious. Yes. I'm proud of myself. Ordinarily, I would have been like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Huh? I'm cool. I'm so proud nah, of you. Nah, nah. Not cool. Pride coming down. Thank you very much. Doesn't it feel love- kind of nice to like be honest? Because I like have kind of convinced myself that I actually know things sometimes when I don't yeah. just so that I don't feel guilty about lying. You know what's interesting, though? It's really, too much work. It is too much work. When I really think about it, though, a lot of the really brilliant people I had classes with were never ashamed to be like, hey, actually, I don't know that. Like, help me understand it more. And I like, I loved that. I loved that. And I was like, I should take that approach. But, you know, we learn by experience, right? So me and you didn't always have the experience where we were in a room where it was okay that we asked questions. So. Correct. Like very much not. Very much not from people who thought that was the safest and best way. So I don't blame them at all. But it did lead to me not wanting to ask questions and also fearing authority like a lot. I feared authority a lot. So I never (sighs) talked to my teachers. Like my teachers probably thought I was a mute. I didn't raise my hand in class. I always, I, I often knew the answers Ooh. and I would not talk to my teachers. I never went to office I almost hours. almost talked too much. Yeah. I, well, you're like my best I friend, like Haley. Honestly, you have a lot in common with my high school best friend. Uh, you guys are very oh. similar in a lot of ways. Honor. Not necessarily like your personality, but the way you run your life. She's um, mm-hmm. got a similar work style and was like best friends with every teacher in a good way. Oh, yeah. Like she asked them for help and it, she always got better. Like she would get help in the middle of a test and they would give her answers, but I would never, because of my pride, I wouldn't get up. I wouldn't do that. Also, I'm afraid of, you know I'm what? afraid of people I would in never, power. I would never ask for help during tests either, but I, but Good I wouldn't for you. be afraid to go. I was always like, no, I have to do this on my own, which I think is like the soloist maybe. Totally. I was like, there's no way I can ask. I'm pride, of course, and all that. Pride comes before oh, the fall. Pride. <laughs> So shall I wrap up uh, the uh, soloist encouragements? Yes. The last one. My work does not have to be groundbreaking to be good. Ooh. I relate okay, to the Okay, why are we just lot. the soloist now? I'm the soloist. Yeah, like, I am, I am too, still dude. relating to that. So am I. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, everything that I produce has to be the best ever or just nothing, and I am nothing. If it's not literally. unique. If it's not, if it's just a redundancy, that's so embarrassing. That's how I feel. Isn't it? Isn't it? But really, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, there's some things new, but like I'm not an astrophysicist. So really nothing I do is going to be that fresh or new. There's probably been someone with the same take as me on whatever I'm doing at work or whatever paper I've written. But I always needed to feel like that weren't the case in order to feel like I was making or doing good work. Dude, I think I straight up think that me and you, this might be like our prominent one, which is kind of hilarious. I think this is the one that me and you together is like we're on the same page yeah, with this one. Yeah, like I think it's level. like our yes, I agree. I think it, it like it meets in the middle, which is really interesting because yes, that is like a huge motivator for me with my me individual list. I think that might be your individualism showing like you have to present something novel oh, yeah. and unique in order oh. for it to matter. It has to be different from everyone else. It has to be the best. Oh, yeah. That's like where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Goodness, look at I think us. that's some four wing three, three wing four energy. One hundred percent. I think uh, the soloist uh, really was doing more than we thought it was at the beginning. So sneaky, sneaky favorite. So Abby, I have a critique for you. Therapy with Abby. Yeah, because <laughs> it resonates with us, but not until we went through the affirmations. Yeah, 
Um, so that leads me into. Ooh, I should. Do you think Gen Z knows about the Valley Girl accent? I feel like that's not something. Yes, they do. Because I've used that voice around my teammates, and they thought it was funny. Well, actually, I don't know if they thought it was funny. I feel like that's like a distinctly early 2000s thing that people made fun of. Probably well, like 80s, 90s, too. Uh, Gen Z, I think, was actually exposed to more of early 2000s than I, I realized. Well, probably in the vintage way that we were exposed to the like late 80s. The like 90s. Full House was yeah. one of my favorite shows. That's an 80s show. Oh, I loved Full House. Yeah. Oh, it was the best. Um, Very true. Hmm, I ought to ask them. I have so much access to Gen Z these days. Really, I have none. <laughs> Except well, my siblings. Well, you can live vicariously. Love it. Um, love it. So the natural genius. Here are their affirmations. Real success always takes time. Oof, I need to hear that one today. Oof. But are they mm. sure? That's my response. I mean, I'm I not. Pro- that's how I know it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I exactly. am that, that affirmation. That's like when I know I have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not convinced that real success takes time, but I will pursue because sometimes that. It, oh my gosh. I'm the worst to argue with when I'm feeling bad about myself. Connor gets so annoyed and I don't blame him because I'll be like, oh, oh really? Every time. So, and then I'll give examples of people that like accomplish something so quickly. So I'm like, so, uh, your premise is flawed and, um, thank you next. I'm the worst. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I, uh, oh. A lot of the times I can like bury that down and be like and try to appreciate the encouragement as it's happening and be like, I can let that ring true in my ears. That's a better way to live. I like feel trying, dude. I have a really hard time to receive that kind of encouragement because sweeping statements I have a hard time agreeing with because everybody's life is different and it works differently for everyone. So like a sweeping generalization. I'll take that and I'll like dwindle it till mm. nobody can tell me that anymore so that I can sit in my bad right? feelings about myself still and have a re- no reason not to. <laughs> it's really you know bad. What? It's me really unhealthy. Both, I, I truly think me and you both would have made great lawyers. I would have been. Damn. Yeah. Damn would it have taken over our lives. Like, like honestly, when I really would look have at it, me. I would have been destroyed. Like, I don't think I could. <laughs> I couldn't compartmentalize. Like, I would have been like so hung up on. Like I think, and when I say lawyer, I say defense attorney because yes, damn, correct. I can argue. Uh, yes. I can argue well. Litig- I don't mean like, yeah, litigator. not a paperwork person. No, that would drive me insane. A litigator. Yeah, yeah. I'm also litigator. very drawn to courtroom movies. Are you as well? Like oh. I love a courtroom movie that's about. Oh my god, me too. Oh me too. Oh that's one of my I've favorite got ones. Some, I've got some on the list that we got to rock and roll through. Whoa. Let's do a movie night about, about this. Yeah, let's do a movie night about those. But I agree. I actually really wanted to be a lawyer for a long time through, up through like high school and stuff. And I honestly considered it even when I was in college because English can be a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything can really be a prerequisite uh, for taking the LSAT. But I don't know. Yeah, I think it would have, I think I would have been just like a puddle of exhaustion all the time. We can live vicariously through my sister. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I'm like, Caroline, I wish me all your stories. Yeah, I think I would have struggled being a litigator because it would be very hard for me to defend somebody that I didn't believe was innocent. See, that would be my problem as well. Um, I'm too, like, have too just of a brain. Yeah, yeah. I, for I, for my detriment a lot of the time. Like it it yeah. is bad in sales, too. 
I get to watch some of those old Yes, there are some really good ones, especially some really good old movies that I've watched recently that I want to revisit. So. Do it. So good. Let's make it happen, Captain. Specifically, so a Witness for the Prosecution is a great one. That. Or, um, oh, there's one with James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart, that I am forgetting the name of right now. That's Jimmy. also fabulous. Fabulous. Um, all right. You want to hit me with the next affirmation? Yes. So the last one was real success always takes time which we had our comments on. <laughs> the next, which actually I'm pretty good at this affirmation. I would say this is the best affirmation. Challenges are often opportunities in disguise. For whatever reason. F them like, kids. Yes. That, <laughs> that rings true to me. Like literally, like after, after any kind of like, I could be in a crying bit. I could be very upset about something. And then I'll be like about an hour later, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to become a better person. <laughs> And that's this something is why, that's very easy for me to. Why Jackie's a better person than me. Don't don't no, fight that. Up. Don't fight that. Got it. Got it. I that to me, I'm like, yeah, maybe, but also there's no proof that that's the truth because there's not been enough time to prove if this situation is going to lead to something good or if it's just going mm. to lead to more pain or to nothing. Yeah. Um, just linearness, and that's really I can mm. be so. Uh, negative and can just be combative when it comes to anything positive when I'm in a bad headspace. So don't mm. listen to me, you guys. I'd be less no. like me. Um, but if you do, if you respond the same way, you're not alone. I'm such a pessimist a lot of the time that it's really hard it's for me to day. shake it. But it's it's not a good way to live your life. Um, it's it's just not. It's just you're not. very realistic, though. You're just like, ah. uh. you know what I mean. I feel like sometimes I'm I'm not realistic enough. So I feel like that's where the pendulum swings. I, you know, because like today, for example, I was like my first job. Y'all have heard me talk about it was hell on earth. Literally, people suck. Many a story from that job. Oh, my God. Uh, I on that job one day. People are terrible. But I will say this. Right. When I look back at that job, that was such a challenge. That brought so many opportunities for me. Yeah, friendships. It brought life lessons that I needed to learn. Right when I'm having a good day, that's how I think of it. I was having a bad day today, and I was to Ned. I was like, "Why did I waste three years of yeah. my life there? Oh, oh, why?" I wasn't crying like that, but uh, you know, I just thought I'd paint a little bit of a picture for you. Um. <laughs> I love that though, because the reality is, it's both of those things, and that's the hard thing about human life that we're too small of beings to grasp that often to be able to hold those two things at once and say, I did let myself sit in that for three years because I didn't know better. But I thankfully also learned these things that I wouldn't have learned otherwise, or maybe would have taken longer to learn. So I'm grateful for for this, but also that is still the reality. And it's the duality of man. (laughs) Correct. Yes. And that's so challenging. And like, I think that that's why it's not worth it to be a pessimist a lot of the time because life is short and you if you spend so much of it trying to be a realist or a pessimist and maybe maybe it's the right perspective but why spend your yeah. minute life being like that and I have to remind myself of that sometimes and I didn't really start thinking like this until like the past year or so it's like I'm what am I trying to prove that's really the thing. Cause I get combative. I, I really want people to understand what's going on in me and be seen and like understand 
how I work and how I function. And, and when I feel like they're not, I can be combative or whatever. When I'm having like deep conversations with people, it's like, well, what ultimately, what are you trying to prove? And is it worth your time or not? And oftentimes it's not worth my time. And I wish I, and I'm trying to practice, and this is probably maybe a bad thing, trying to practice a little more naivete when it comes to my life and maybe not pay attention to so many things as deeply as I have for most of my life. Give myself a break. Take little lessons out of each other's book because I think more times I need to be a little bit more realistic. And there are times when like, you know, you're like, oh, I shouldn't be as real. Like, you know, there's a balance. Totally. Balance. And And it makes sense that we all have a more natural response in moments like that because it's kind of a coping mechanism, honestly. That coping mechanisms aren't always good or bad. They can be very neutral. It's like, well, but we have ones we're drawn to. It's like, well, you might be drawn to more positivity and I'm drawn to negative combativeness, but real, like realism. Um, And the balance is so much healthier between the two. Yeah. It's like you got to have both. Yeah. Because you have one or the other. Yeah, for sure. Or then like both are like not good for you. Either one by itself. Yeah, for sure. And I just had an interesting semi-related thought where these arguments, these like courtroom cases in my head that I'm having Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, all of these, you know, overarching statements about life or what have you, what we've just been discussing is my blood, sweat, tears work. A lot of the time Mm -hmm. I'm working in my head, but there's nothing physical to prove it. And that is sometimes frustrating, but it's also exhausting to be working all the time, no matter what. And you have to have something drawing you, motivating you, whether it be realism or positivity, and it's just going to be better to have it in the center. Look at us. Gen Z wouldn't know about that, would they? Maybe. I don't know. They're really into retro things, so it seems. I like to make fun of them, but. Close to my heart. Amanda, 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 Amanda show. Dancing lobsters. Totally, Kyle. Welcome to the girls' room. Oof. Oh, it's good. My like moody <laughs> point. I think we talked about this on our other. Um, I don't agree with this last one. Okay. This last affirmation, which is a bummer, because like it ends on this one. Ooh, the tough. natural genius. I was like, Abby, ah, hey, ah. Um, Let's see if it hits me. Effort trumps ability. Okay, that hits for me. And this is my like biggest one. And let me explain why it hits for me. Because I have always thought people who work hard are not as good as people who are naturally good at something. Like it proves that you're naturally not as good at it if you have to put in effort. That's how my brain has always, that's how I've always perceived talent. And Therefore, that statement is like the exact opposite of my perception of the world. And I look at people who are naturally good at things and like they have it. And part of why I'm not as motivated to try to tackle things through effort is because that's my perspective on the world. And that's why I have such a negative outlook when I'm not good at something. So that actually hits for me. And I think for me, it's like discouraging almost to read it because. Welcome. (laughs) It's discouraging for me because I don't read it like an affirmation. Like I could work on that. I'm like I've already been doing this, and I don't feel any better. Like I put so much into effort, even when I'm naturally, you know, gifted at something, I will still put in a lot of effort, and I'm still not satisfied with that. So this to me is just like 
And do you feel like though you look at natural talent and give it more value than you do effort when you look at the world and you look at somebody and what they do? Do you value the hours they put in or do you value their natural talent more? Like just when you think about natural talent for sure, for sure. Interesting. Um, which is like, it's like a really like a dichotomy in me, I think. Mm. That's very interesting. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's unique because I'll look at somebody and be like, wow, they're so smart and they don't even have to try. I have to try really hard, but then there are certain things where I'm like, I don't have to try that hard, but I don't value that in myself. I value it in other people, but I won't recognize the things that I'm naturally good at. So a lot of things I'm naturally good at, but I won't allow for myself to believe those things because why, why would I? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't believe I'm the same. I don't believe even the things that I know I probably am talented at. It's still hit with imposter syndrome mm-hmm. for sure but there are things that I will avoid like the plague because I'm don't have the natural talent I think the difference is that I often have thought like I don't know if I try really hard at something that I'm not naturally good at I'm never going to catch up with the people who are naturally talented mm-hmm. therefore I'm like setting myself up for long-term failure and yeah. I'm just I'm just a hack like that mm. that's what I'm fearful of but the reality is why would I be afraid of being a hack there's nothing wrong with that of like trying hard at something and not being the best but like my innate perspective is just like Mm. so torn by that reality that that wouldn't be a big deal yeah it's so it's so interesting it it really this is it's it's unique and 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 even if you here's what's wild right Mm -hmm. so you're like hey I wish I would like, let me just give an example. So mm, I had, you know, this is a very rudimentary example, right? I didn't really play soccer much growing up. Yeah. I, I, I went for it and I was like, let me like work hard at this. I, I worked hard at it for a few months and I realized actually, oh, I'm more inclined than this than I would be. Right. You go girl. Just because I ended up being relatively good at soccer for not having played in my life. That didn't change the way that I saw myself. Yeah, of course. I mean, same. That, but that's not, I don't think, what this is getting at. I think it's getting at what you value in the world and what you feel like you have to have. But you, even if you have it, you're always going to feel that you don't. Precisely. Like, I'll always be dissatisfied no matter what. Or, yeah, for me, it's I'll always doubt myself no matter what. I, it's not yeah. a satisfaction or dissatisfaction for me. It's more like... I'll never feel safe in my value proposition to the earth <laughs> and yeah, to humanity yeah. um, because I think that even if there's a glimpse at something good, that that's going to be found out to be phony or not not lasting or something of that nature. Which so I'm honestly you. is why I want to adopt the perspective and actually work at this. I'm encouraging us to like, continue to pick yes. this apart and going hey actually I can try new things I can pull back from overexerting myself on certain things and still be my best self yeah yeah and see myself as my best self I think that that's well and something to work on that's really good I think for me I have to stop thinking about trying to be my best self for a little bit I get so overwhelmed by the idea of trying to be that 
And I think about it nonstop and my, I am incredibly hard on myself and my head. And it's, it's not very healthy for me because I feel like it's a losing battle. So I think trying to stop thinking about it for a little while and just handle what's in front of me, for me and the way that my brain works is the healthiest thing for me right now. And I've been trying to do that. Like what I'm going through right now, not that it's not important, but it's not that important. What I'm doing at work right now is important and I need to work hard at it, but it's not that important. And trying to like step back. So I guess those of you out there, depending on where you fall and like what imposter syndrome is causing in you, there's going to be different prescriptions for how to work on it. So I think it's cool that we both have different kind of directions. I think it's cool too. Directions it's almost like that. I need to do more of what you're doing and you need to do more of what I'm doing. Like if you're, if you were to simplify it, right? You want to take more action physically doing something. No. <laughs> I already work hard and I'm good at what I do. I need to just stop thinking as much. Here's what I mean by that. And maybe I misunderstood what you had just stated. Is that I think I interpreted by you saying I'm going to turn off thinking. And when I, when I hear you say just do, just do life day to day. Not work harder, but be more just like in your body but not in your head does that make sense yeah for sure and and the reality is I'll never be able to do that so what I what I will try to do is assign less value so that in my thoughts I can start recorrecting you're worried about this you're in a thought pattern um Mm. anxiety pattern um that's not stopping this isn't as big of a have the internal talk with myself this isn't as big of a deal um step back do something for a little bit that or think about something or do something that distracts you to help kind of level set you, bring you back down to earth and remind mm-hmm. you that it's not as important. So I'll never be able to stop my brain. It's more like resetting in a healthier sure. way and sure. lowering the stakes. I think I've said that on a previous episode, like I really need to work on lowering the stakes of what mm-hmm. goes on in my brain because yeah. it's, it's yeah. too much. Yeah, I get that. But I think I it is that. similar in a certain way, like what we kind of need to be opposite in. It's just based on how we're wired because. I think it's interesting at the end of the day, we're made to be how we are for a reason. And there's only so much change that can happen to a person. I, I believe that at least. I think people can change, but they're always going to be themselves. So they're still going to be you peeking through. So when we try to work on things, it's so interesting that it's, I mean, it shouldn't be surprising, but it is interesting that it's going to be unique to our own functions and how we're wired which makes it hard because if we could just prescribe the same solution to everybody, that would be so much easier. Right. Because then you'd know exactly, this would be great for us because you'd know exactly what being the best would be. But really, because everybody's different, it's a moving target and it drives me freaking bananas. Uh, Me too. Me too. It's like there's there's no one remedy. And so, um, it's interesting. I think, I think one unique thing about, uh, the way that I think about things sometimes, especially in like groups or talking about hey I'm struggling with this you're struggling with this I'm always looking for like the commonality between those yeah or I'm looking for the like the yin and yang like the op the I'm trying to take something that's really complicated and I'm always trying to simplify it I think that's yeah, part, of also part of my problem not well yes and no but it's interesting because I think a lot of what I hear you saying about things that you're already naturally doing I'm like oh I like want to do more of that like I want to almost be more in touch with being realistic and going I shouldn't shouldn't do this like in my mind as opposed to just like actionably 
being like not thinking about it or going day to day and just being like oh oh drive 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 not that you're not moving fast also because you are we're like both at the going 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 well, we're going moving fast in different, different ways. ways right yeah exactly totally. um so that's like what i'm getting at but it is interesting to be like there's no one answer for either one of those things and nope i could be like totally off base with what i think that i need isn't that interesting the best part about all of this is that we could be totally wrong about ourselves like that's a big surprise (laughs) that's the pessimist in me i'm like oh yeah there's no way i might not be right i I might be right but i but i might not be right that all the time and jackie knows this but that was my biggest fear in starting a podcast in the first place is like everything i say might be wrong and then my imposter syndrome like somebody's gonna find me out as an idiot or a narcissist or a something or other that i'm terrified of being and then I'm going to like, I'm going to just disappear into into space. <laughs> Straight up though, like I commend you, dude, because I know a lot of like what we talked about tonight was around like, I fear that thing. I, therefore, I will not do it. Yeah. Like you're, you're doing this, man. And you're like, yeah. we're fearful. Like you see, like they're they still get things. clammy when people say they listen. They're like, I know you get excited. I get anxious. I'm like, oh, what I'm doing matters when I hear other people do it. And I'm like, oh, like the three and if the they know me better, that means they're going to hate me. Dude, that's so funny. Like, ah, oh, oh, if you hate geez. us, you probably shouldn't listen. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like the longer I do this and realize that people that are going to listen are going to listen and people are going to say what they're going to say, but I'm not attached to those people and they're not coming directly to me to say it. I'm kind of starting to feel like what, you know, people who have, people hate on them on the internet it's different. It's not the same. That would suck. And if that happens to us, that would suck a lot. But my biggest fear has been around the people that like I know and have put in high regard, whether it's friends, whether it's teachers, bosses, people in power, people I'm trying to please um, that I physically know. And I think it would still do a really nasty work on me to be like hated on on the internet. But it, I'm mm-hmm. growing less afraid of it because we're just talking about ourselves and right? I know I'm a mess and I know that I am b- prone to get so much wrong because I'm a human being and I need to just start treating myself like a human being and not somebody who's mm-hmm. supposed to have this like divine ability to understand everything properly or shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like I'm, I'm right there with you. It's like emphasis on the ish. Like we're not perfect yes. people. I think that this podcast has been great in a lot of ways. I can say that for myself, it's been something where I feel a lot more comfortable speaking my opinion and saying it and not having as many regrets about it. Like at the beginning of the podcast, I'd be like, oh, mm. why did I say that? Like yeah. I was way more like, wow, I just dropped an F-bomb. Like, what are these people going to think of me? It's like, well, actually, like, that's me. So you can take it or you can I'm leave so it. so proud of you. So proud. Oh, myself. So proud. Oh, you should be. Oh, thank you. You should, you should be. We've come a long Thanks. way. We're keeping, we're keeping going. We're going, going, going. Just going, going, <laughs> going, going, going. Uh, wow. Yeah, we have come a long way. And thank you guys for those of you that are listening. Thank you for listening. We are just mere human beings sharing our stories. Yes. And if you relate, great. If you don't, maybe it helps you understand somebody else in your life, which I find to be helpful. Again, I'm a curious person. And I can be nosy because I'm curious. So I love hearing people talk about how their brain That's works. Why my friends call me whiskers. 
seriously, incredible. But like, it, it's it's honestly amazing when I ask Connor. I'm like, have you like have you asked your friends this about their life or like curious about that? He's just the least curious and nosy person about the people he cares about because he just like trusts that they'll tell him if they want to. I'm like, wow, you're a bigger person than me because I'm just like so nosy and interested but that's not a bad thing all the time but I'm just curious so I hope those of you out there that are like creepy curious like me are enjoying hearing us talk and maybe learning about people in your life that you know you can always ascribe our experiences to yeah exactly (laughs) it's good to be inquisitive I don't know you learn you know everything everything's good and bad everything yeah everything is confusing and gray curious like a cat whiskers <laughs> oh man um do we want to do our carry out yeah i kind of feel like in a in a lot of ways both of you and i both me and you um already did them in a way but i'm trying to summarize if you have yours you can go yeah i can go wrap mine up in my head i when i'm thinking about a carry out right now from a conversation where we talked about a lot of things we need to improve um for me, like I said, I'm trying to simplify and assign less to myself because I get overwhelmed uh, and then I don't, and then I get paralyzed. So I'm trying to just simplify and do one thing at a time. And so what I think of first from our conversation today is tackling my first response when somebody mm-hmm. in two scenarios, one, when I'm feeling that uh, narrative about myself from imposter syndrome in certain scenarios, what is that? first sentence I'm saying about myself to myself, catch it there and then try to uh, apply logic. And then two, when people are trying to encourage me and I become combative, what is my first response there? And how can I walk that back and try to do a meet in the middle? Like we were talking about, be real, but also allow some space for encouragement Mm -hmm. because that's something I need to work on. So those two things, like catch those first thoughts and then allow logic to enter the chat. Yeah. Wow. I think that's such a good carry out. It's so, so wise. Yeah, so much rumor. wisdom there. Really? I mean, genuinely. Rumor, we'll see how I do it. We'll see if I can do it. <laughs> we can encourage each other. We really can. I think we can sit there and go, hey, not like a, how have you been doing with this? But more so like. A, <laughs> no, it's like, like hey, yeah. hey, lady, you told me that you were going to bring logic into this and you just yelled at me oh. or tried to lawyer me when I told you that everything's going to be okay. And you need so to true. step back and, and allow logic yeah. to enter the chat, lady. Oh, gosh. Mm, so you're man. allowed to say that to me. I'm giving you approval. Okay. <laughs> Fabulous. I'll say it to you on Thursday when I see you again. Amazing. Um, yes. But I think my carry out is I just am realizing that I'm not – I'm not really seeing myself very accurately. Like I can sit here and scientifically diagnose. It's really easy to say I fall in this category. I'm this way because of this situation. This action caused this this to happen. Action, reaction. It's really easy for me to objectively say that. Yeah. Uh, Which is really therapeutic, but... Mm. Also, I'm like, ooh, I have a lot of work to do on not like feeling the pressure of, oh, I have a lot of work to do. It's like, how can I approach myself that, like to, to be inquisitive with myself to go, mm, hmm, yeah, I'm feeling that way. Similar to what you said, I'm having this reaction. 
with this situation. Why is that? Mm. Why am I shitting on myself in this moment? Why am I really upset about this? Why is this pressure on me? Mm. But just very simply going, "Mm, I'm feeling this right now. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's very easy when I'm feeling down to be really hard on myself. But it's like, I shouldn't take myself seriously, though, in certain moments when I'm feeling like so, so down, but not for like something that's like super rational. Like it's just, yeah. you know, it's like I've got to distribute weight more evenly. I've given more weight to things that don't need that much weight to them. And it's throwing everything off balance. Mm, have to, that's wise. You know, okay. I need to figure out, okay, among the five, if you know this is worth five pounds, right? I need to have one pound on each to be like, oh, yeah. Other than like, oh. And obviously, I can't control how much weight goes to certain things in certain moments. Like, if Absolutely. I have that expectation on myself, I'm putting unrealistic expectations on myself, if you could believe it. Um, I could. But yeah, I just think approaching it with an even weight distribution and knowing that I'm not always going to handle it well but that's my two cents that is not an easy thing to do but a very courageous one and keep me in check about it too yeah for sure I mean it's it's a it's an ongoing everyday thing where you know we may take one step forward two steps back but it's good to be mindful about it and having these conversations is incredibly helpful to me just to be mindful about the fact that we can adjust our responses and it may not be effective every time, but if I can change 10% of my responses to be healthier, that's an improvement. You know, that is a talk track I have to give myself because if I'm such an all or nothing person, mm-hmm. and this is like the perfectionism, right? Where it's like you have to do it all the way or it doesn't count, but that's not true. That's just like inherently not true. And years of therapy have helped me learn that one, but it's hard to apply. Mm-hmm. So, Here's to us working together to figure that out. And yeah, yeah, thank you guys for listening to this. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you have a specific kind of imposter syndrome and need some some good affirmations that are written by two non-therapists, Hannah and Jackie, hit us up in the DMs. I'm happy to write you non-expert opinions, (laughs) but also tell you how wonderful you are and make sure you understand that you're not alone. Um. Otherwise, if you have just any other questions or want to hear us talk about anything specific, also slide into our DMs. We're at Goodish People Pod on Instagram. Jackie just started a TikTok for us too. I did. I did. I'm very excited about it. And I got to add a link tree so I can link everybody to the podcast. But it's going to be good. We're going to start to incorporate some videos in there, some video content for everybody. Jackie, you're going to be so good at TikTok. Like I just already know. <sighs> I appreciate it. It's not. Yeah, it's not in my skill set, but I just like what your sense of humor translates so well to TikTok. Like, I feel like you are going to thrive. Thank you. I I love making videos and I love making funny videos. So Mm -hmm. I think it's good. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope everybody is going to like it. She's a talent. Um, She, yeah, please. She's going to win TikTok cinematographer of the year uh, next year because, you know, there's only a month, like a month and a half left this year. So we'll get them next year. We'll get them next year. 2024 is our year, man. 2024, baby. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so hit us up there. You can always email us. We're goodishpeople at gmail.com. Uh, just, you know, we're here 
for you. And we are so grateful that you're listening. So just let us know if you are listening because yes, we love you. We and we, we love do. you. Well, yes. on that note, um, I was thinking one last housekeeping thing about next week adding in a little segment where we make a recommendation because people were so responsive to your shower spray that we both have good shopping Product and products and all these things. And I just spend money at the store. So I like to share from that. And I just feel like that'll be a fun little thing that we can throw yeah. in there. I like it. I already know what I'm going to recommend. And then maybe next they'll week. eventually sponsor us. <laughs> oh God, I'd poop my pants if that was the case. Literally, shower spray sponsor uh, sponsor would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna need that to clean up bum mails. <laughs> oh man. Well, until then, we love you, goodish people. Yes, love you guys. Catch you later, skaters. Do 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 do.